سلام It's okay to dance. I like the remix that so, you just did. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, boy. So we're finishing off the Indiana Jones trilogy. The trilogy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, this is Roast Into the Reels, by the way. I, I'm your co-host, Zach. No, you're not. Well, who am I then? Well, that's just a deep philosophical question. Yeah, but I'm really asking more surface level. Like, what does it say on my driver's license? Oh, okay. It would probably say Zachary Duncan. There you go. And scene. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. What's your name, though? I'm Allison Krauss, and I just got my new driver's license that have my new name on it. Oh, really? Yeah. So now it's really, really official. Yeah. Now, it was really, really official also when I got it from, you know, the Social Security Administration, but now it's really, really, really <laughs> official. <laughs> what kind of process do you have to go through to change your name officially? Let me tell you... This is one of the things that's not fair about being a woman because Mark just had to like get married to me. He hasn't had to tell anybody and I'm here like having to <laughs> mail off like secure documents because everything is closed right now during COVID and I've had to like mail them to the Social Security Administration to change my name. I've had to ma- uh, make an appointment with the Motor Vehicle Association to change my name. I've had to call every credit card or banking establishment where I have an account to change my name, uh, my insurance company, my work HR department. It's been a procedure. Yeah, it sounds like it. Worth it? Well, yeah, I love Mark. <laughs> but do you love the name? I like that I'm less findable now than I was with my old last name. Yeah, you're hiding in obscurity in the shadow of the real Alison Krauss. It's true. Like, if you Google Alison Krauss, you're not likely to find me so much as you are to find her. Or Google's going to suggest, did you mean what you spelled? <laughs> I, I look forward to the day when this podcast is successful enough that people are going to be like, Alison Krauss has a podcast about movies? <laughs> and you know what's funny is by that time, maybe she will. <laughs> and we'll be in competition. <laughs> exactly. And ours won't be as good. And then we're going to fall into obscurity again. Yeah, but maybe because she's kind of like a folky country singer, her podcast would have a focus on movies to do with the same kind of style that her music is. And we're all over the place. Exactly. But how is her sense of humor? Does she have any kind of comedy chops? So again, I have no idea what she looks like, what any of her songs sound like. I feel like at this point you need to make yourself an authority because people are going to ask you these questions. (laughs) What is her mother's maiden name? (laughs) What? Why would I know that? (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you. So I'd like to ask you a a real question. Let's get off of the topic of dumb names. Mm -hmm. Tell me why Black Christmas is bad. Oh, man. Where do I begin? Okay, so let me start by saying that the original Black Christmas, the one with Margot, Ro- uh, not Margot, Margot Robbie, Robbie. M- Margot Kidder, <laughs> sorry, brain. Uh, so the original, original one that came out in, um, I believe, the early 70s was actually pretty good. The remake with Michelle Trotchenberg that came out in the early 2000s, not good. That's the one I saw. It, it wasn't good but it wasn't the worst movie i've ever seen so it's fine yeah it was no indiana jones (laughs) too 
or Meg or <laughs> well Indiana Jones 2 is the new standard because there was so much expectation behind that movie uh. and it was following such a great movie that the fact that it achieved Meg status is even worse it's a slap in the face yeah. uh so the the new new one that just came out and is now streaming on HBO Max uh streaming service it has Carrie Elways in it so for me anytime I see Carrie Elways like listed in the cast of credits lately i've been apprehensive because for some reason he's picking roles that are not good for him They're unbecoming they are and he's no longer the wesley that we all love and i'm just like and despero who are you who who are you anyway so it was like in this movie some director somewhere was like hmm you know what's really trending right now carrie always the me too movement oh how do I make that lucrative for me? <laughs> for me. In a horror movie. And I what, know. Were they successful? No. Well, how did they fall well, short oh. of supporting the Me Too movement? Okay, so. In a Christmas horror movie. One, <laughs> they tried to make every sorority girl Katniss Everdeen, which just isn't a thing. Wait, wait, wait. Say that sentence again. They tried to make every sorority girl okay. Katniss Everdeen. Now, who's that? She is the lead character from the Hunger Games series, like known okay. for her archery skills. Gotcha. Haven't seen it or so, read it. So Black Christmas, the plot of that is the, the original plot of it. Not even this one. The original, original plot mm-hmm. is about a serial killer who sets his sight specifically on sorority girls staying at the sorority house over Christmas break. Okay, so that's not a, a very original concept of an idea, but uh, no, could have been executed well, so continue. Yeah, so in, and in this case, the more the plot develops in the original, like kind of you, you get more of a... Th- this is one where it was successful because we'd never really get a full understanding of the motivation of the killer. Okay. And just the, the terror play that they used was very successful. And there's a lot of mistrust built up in it. And it just, you feel very isolated. It's very good. Oh, I see. Would you mind handing me my hot chocolate, rather cold chocolate? Or at this point, room temperature chocolate? Tepid chocolate. That is Tepid my, drinkable. This is old uh, coffee. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a big bottle of uh, chocolate milk. And then there was a cup. And part of me is like, oh, he means the cup. Why would he? <laughs> nope, he's drinking out of the carton like a maniac. Yeah, I know. Well, the, the the carton is deceptively large. I thought it was smaller than it was, so I started drinking out of it without <laughs> pouring it into a cup. And I'm like, Jesus, this is going to take me forever. Uh, the other night when we were recording, I had made dinner and brought over a thing of chocolate milk. Because for some reason, I like having a glass of milk or milk-like product with my kind of pasta dishes. They taste better. What? I don't think you've ever told me that before. Oh, yeah. It's like if I have an interesting theory. pizza, I have to have milk with. It's anything with those kind of Italian tomato-based sauces. So good with Italian-based tomato sauces. It's a cold glass of, of milk holiday's or, finest. Or milk-like product. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I drink a lot like I drink a lot of almond milk now because milk can sometimes make my tummy upset. But that Fairlife brand, um, it the way that it's processed, it doesn't have the lactate in it that hurts your tummy. Oh, so what does it have instead of lactate? I think it's just Mercury? radiated more. <laughs> it's radiated. Well, yeah, they, that's how they pasteurize milk is controlled radiation. I didn't know that I was eating some sort of nuclear fission inside my milk. But wasn't it delicious? It was really good. <laughs> but now I'm scared. 
It's how you get big, strong, radioactive bones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a superhero. <laughs> They'll call me Bone Man. <laughs> I'm not sure that's great, though. <laughs> Sounds like an Andy. <laughs> boner <dog>. Champ? Yeah. <laughs> no, Boner Champ is Boner Champ. Broccoli Rob is Broccoli, Broccoli Rob. Rob. <laughs> that's my song. Uh, so anyway. um, you kind of have faith. Faith, faith. Uh, it's a black Christmas. Yeah, it's a black Christmas. Me Chris. too. Yeah, me too. So the second one was following suit, but they made it an, an escaped maniac. It sharpens a candy cane to a fine point and somehow escapes a mental hospital and then attacks the girls at the sorority. So giving more of a background to the serial killer, but still just kind of a maniac guy going after sorority girls. It sounds kind of like uh, Trick or Treat where he was stabbing folks with a lollipop. Yeah, kind of. But this one, like, have you ever um, eaten a candy cane? You can suck them down to a very fine oh, sharp yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. I hurt my my uh, my gums and my tongue on that all the time. Oh, yeah. It's like you could pierce your own lip if you wanted to, if you had a mind. I have pierced my lip before. Yeah. And you took it out. You're like, this is not my look. <laughs> this is not who I am. <laughs> I think I took it out within four hours of getting it. Yeah. And it <laughs> healed overnight and it. there's no scar or anything. <laughs> <laughs> He's a it's, it's the milk. I have grown strong. <laughs> He's secretly Wolverine. <laughs> so um, this one, the new one that came out, um, it follows the sorority girls an hour into the film before anyone gets hurt. <laughs> so that's far too long for a horror movie. You're like, would someone trip already? I just want to see someone get hurt. Yeah. So, so the story is following a girl who was assaulted at a fraternity party. Her sisters and her do a mock performance at a Christmas pageant at the fraternity house to torment the assailant and his brothers. Um, and then it turns out that all of the men are being ramped up by some ancient founder of the school that they're all members of who disliked women and thought that they should be subservient to men. Uh and somehow they get this kind of like radio impulse in their brain to be alpha males. And then they go on a hunting spree of all the non-docile women. I see. And uh, you said ancient. Mm -hmm. and, so, and I presume this is also an American school. Yeah. So it, it'd be like, uh, I don't know, some of the older Ivies. So maybe established in the 1800s at some point. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so ancient by American standards, sure. you know, yeah. 50 years old, we smash it to the ground to build a car park. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, this is where people used to shop over 50 years ago. No, surely not, no. No one, no was, one was alive, alive then. then. <laughs> I really hope he listens one day. Like, I will know we've made it if he listens one day. It's like, stop using my bits. <laughs> <laughs> stop ripping my bits off and doing them poorly. <laughs> That's not even what I sound like. <laughs> Come on, I can do it. I can do a decent izzard. I, I cannot, but I love him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh, like literally the the fraternity brothers have this ritual that gets them inducted into the alpha male society. And their whole ambition is to just, you know, smite loudmouth women. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's a reasonable cause, I guess. Um, but um, I, I presume he didn't... He didn't fare well. Were there some women who were too uppity that he couldn't sufficiently uh, quell? Yeah, and that's where the movie lost me. Because, <laughs> like, I was, I was like, okay, I see what they're getting at, mm -hmm. but like the, it was too like, girl power. You mess with the wrong sisters. <laughs> like, do 
you have to be trite about it. Like <laughs> Just so on the nose about it. Yeah. And, and like, I think what was funny is at one of the ending parts of the movie, one of the sisters says to one of the bad guys, suck my dick. And I was just like, huh, Kaya is in this movie. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, it, which isn't a fault in the movie. Like, it just, it seemed really out of place at that point because it even bleep her out a little bit so you're not really sure if she said dick or something else but it's like is suck my anything at this point really where the movie wants to go like, so it just it so was, you th- are, is that like are you are you detecting an overcorrection into the point where where we're acting against the patriarchy but trying to establish another form of dominance and subjugation yes okay yeah, yeah. yeah. and it was just the way that that kind of forced girl power and forced like rape storyline. Like it mm-hmm. just, it was uncomfortable. Like the whole movie, the best way I can describe it was uncomfortable. And when I'm not rooting for the hero of the movie, that is supposed to be like a feminist icon. <laughs> right. You've done something wrong. You've, you've lost, you've <laughs> lost something. And yeah. like, and frankly, I didn't buy any of these women as sorority women. Mm-hmm. Like they just, they were all like alternative chicks. And, you know, unless sororities have changed since I've left college, most of them were not very supportive of alternative girls. Now, I'm not, or women, I should say. Now, I'm not saying that they didn't exist because clearly I was in a sorority and I'm not like, you You'd know, consider yourself an alt woman? Or more alternative than the stereotypical sorority person. Do you think you were right to be, uh, to be doing that sort of thing? I, I, I don't know what you're asking. I'm sorry. Were you right to be in a sorority? You know, um, it was great for me at the time. Really, what I'm trying to establish is, are you an alt-right woman? Oh. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, I was like. It was a meandering path to get to a punchline. Oh, and I, <laughs> and I tripped all over it because I'm like, I, I thought that's what you were doing. And I was like, nah. He couldn't nah. possibly be making a joke that dumb. No, we're, oh, we're yes, making Nazi jokes later. Later, Indiana Jones time. <laughs> But yeah, so like, no, I I will say sorority did a really good job for me in the sense that, you know, they they require you to be on a leadership position within the organization at some point before you can retire (laughs) from the sorority. Oh, okay. Did the other more popular sororities ever come over and give you guys swirlies? No, but sorority. I feel like you missed out on something important there. You didn't even know like fraternities had paddling last time we talked, so... Yeah, but I know that people got swirlies. That not that a high school thing? It starts there. <laughs> it starts there. And then <laughs> it only if you're escalates. Unlucky, it doesn't stop. <laughs> no, no. So, so sororities are more known for um, mental attacks mental on one torture. another sure. versus physical. Physicals are more of a fraternal. So, thing. did you get mental swirlies? Mental. Swir- I was lucky. You know, my big sister was in the sorority, and she's very popular and well liked. And so, I feel like I was. Shielded. I also uh, did dry rushing. I was not partaking of alcoholic beverages, so there's a limit to what you can do to haze someone. I ate a lot of marshmallows one night. Well, fair enough. So what would you give Black Mast out of 10? Well, I haven't seen that, but Black Christmas... um, You haven't seen the Pornhub version of Black Mast is what you're saying? Correct. I have not. Okay, so Black Christmas then. (laughs) Okay, so the original Black Christmas, I would give a 6 out of 10 for a horror the remake that came out in the early 2000s, I would give a three and a half out of 10. For horror. For horror. This one, I would give a minus seven. Oh, boy. Like, 
The only thing that I will say it did was it got, you know, White Christmas stuck in my head. Oh, like did they the, play that? The song, like they they didn't even play that version. Like there was some remade version. That was the song that they did at the talent show thing that was mocking the fraternity. Right. It's just. So what would you what would your real rating be for that movie? I don't even think there's a score that would be appropriate because it would give a <laughs> scale to movies. Are you so. trying to tell me seriously that that was a worse movie than Indiana Jones two? Yes. <laughs> now, like in Colony. A movie that we've mentioned before was so bad that we got to laugh at it, but there was still that laughing factor. I did not have a laughing factor here. Well, also, Lycan Colony is obviously worse than Indiana Jones 2 and Meg, mm-hmm. but... Or mm- Gremlins 2. <laughs> well, I haven't seen that one yet, but, it, you know... Oh, it, oh, sorry, not, not um, Troll 2. Oh. Nilbog oh. means... <laughs> <laughs> Nilbog is goblin backwards! Oh, Really? You can't take a piss on hospitality. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take my belt off and beat you. (laughs) It's a great movie, though. I keep trying to sip tea, and then it becomes dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to guard my uh, the audio equipment. So, yeah, I mean, but those movies, it's like uh, the 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 budget was so low. It's a super indie movie. You don't really go in expecting it to be a masterpiece. Yeah, but it somehow is worse than you were expecting anyway. But this one got Carrie Elway's. Yeah, and, and Indiana Jones was Stevie Spielbs and Harry Ford. And the fact yeah. that it was so bad just means something it w- epically went wrong. Yeah. yeah. But, something uh, went to miss. <laughs> right. So Black Mast was, um, or uh, Christmas, mm-hmm. was, I don't know what kind of budget, probably not huge, but you expected something more out of it, I presume. I was expecting, like, I wasn't even expecting it to just be a bad horror movie. Right. And I don't. Uh, like it it was a bad horror movie but not in the way i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be it sounds to me like it was trying to be a little too real yeah it it was trying to be girl empowerment and it just and it missed the mark it really did and i i don't know if they succeeded in releasing the film they had intended to or how it got messed up along the way but oh dear listener (laughs) <laughs> watch the original the original is so good it doesn't sound like it's earned a recommendation no and it just i don't know when when you're dealing with like a sensitive topic like rape and you're trying to and you're trying to make it like a feminine empowerment movie they have those and like they have them where they're done very successfully and like this one it just felt so forced yeah it was a five million dollar budget Okay, so very small. Yeah. Well, all right. So, uh, do you have any uh, parting words for Black Mass or uh, 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 Christmas? Yeah, again, just just watch the original. You'll love it. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. Do you have any uh, more personal news? So, as we're getting ready for Thanksgiving coming up this Thursday, to pull back the curtain of where we are in our recording time versus release time, I'm making my very first turkey. <gasps> I know, and I wish I could share in it with you. But I'll be with my mommy. Yeah, I had invited Mr. Zach to, to come over to, to sample it. But, you know, I, I enjoy his family, so I hope they feed him lots of good food that day. I think we're going to be eating horse. There's a lot of blinking going on back and forth. Horse? Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 well, no, we're going to be going to the Chincoteague Island. Chincoteague. Chincoteague. I don't mm-hmm. know how to pronounce it properly, but yeah, we've got an Airbnb down there and we're going to, I don't know if we're cooking or ordering or what we're doing, but 
Did I ever tell you my my chinkatig story about how <laughs> I got chased by a swarm of seagulls? <laughs> Did they uh, fly up and destroy a plane? No, it wasn't birdemic quite. Or Last Crusade. Or Last Crusade. <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny i feel quite like charlemagne <laughs> i loved uh, sean connery in this movie he was good. fantastic oh, so good um so when i was a little girl we went to the beach for a picnic anytime my mom planned a picnic it didn't matter what was going on it could be a perfectly normal day as soon as she said the word picnic some sort of natural disaster would occur like there'd be tornadoes or hurricanes or something. My mom, you know, is probably responsible for a lot of, you know, natural phenomena just by the word picnic. I feel like the army could hire her. Yeah, that she could really just demolish cities if that was her intention <laughs> by wanting to have picnics. But um, damn it, she's a pacifist, so she won't help. Exactly. You know, she wasn't the army. I just don't think she touted her powers. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know she was a mutant back yeah, then. Yeah. She, Maybe she didn't even know. Maybe she had to kind of warm up to it. It was the milk. She drank too much milk and she, now she can control the weather? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> she stormed. <laughs> so um, we stopped over. My mom's like, hey, let's let's have a picnic on the beach side. And so we go out there. And for some reason, the seagulls see me as an easy target. And I'm trying to eat my little peanut butter sandwich. And they're coming at me for some reason. I'm on the edge of the blanket, kind of away from the family they are brazen like they are clearly well fed and knowing what they need to do to get the food right and so i take off running with my sandwich to get away from them oh no i'm luring them towards myself and away from my family and like there's this that's very kind of you yeah so like i'm running the sandwich is up in the air i'm screaming <laughs> and like they're just flying after me and how I old just, were you I was probably like three or four. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was picturing this being like, now, Allison? <laughs> no, because now I know like you would go like, like kind of hide, hide, you know. Like, it's all gone. It's and all gone. No more. your face off. Yeah, exactly. Birdemic. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, you know, three-year-old Allison's like, get away from my sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds horrific. I thought you were going to go. So anyway, then I started blasting them. Yeah, yeah. Pull out like, a gun. <laughs> water guns. <laughs> and I super soakered their asses. <laughs> yeah, that would be the epic conclusion that I want. <laughs> no, I mean. If Hollywood got a hold of this story, you know how that, that would end. No, no. What would happen is they would get the sandwich. I would like somehow like get scraped up. It would go dark. And then like five years later, Allison comes in. I'm She's training for this. <laughs> <laughs> like, She's dressed up like a seagull. Yeah, dressed up like a seagull. <laughs> seagull woman. But but not just a seagull, like Rambo seagull. So it's like a seagull, but then there's also a bandana and like black under the eye. The, the, I forget what that stuff is called. Like the, the polish that you put under your eye to prevent solar. If, if you're an American football player. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, shells on myself, which are really just water guns or <laughs> cartridges. And, like, oh, yeah. You, so you've got, like, the the bandolier or whatever around yeah. you that's just super soaker cartridges? Yeah. I love it. I love it. And that's when I got my revenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So, uh... My sandwich. <laughs> nothing can bring back my sandwich, but I can still get vengeance. This is for you, Sandy. <laughs> Sandy the witch. Sandy the sandwich. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So that's that's uh, that's Thanksgiving for you. Uh, wh why were we talking about that? 
you asked if I had any news, and I was telling you about Chink Tink because yeah, you said okay. you're going there. <laughs> um, well, more, more importantly, why did we spend 20 minutes on Black Christmas? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so in podcast-related news, uh-huh. I had an addendum to add to last week's episode. Go on. So uh, I'm not angling it away from you. This is just a comfortable angle to read. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I don't believe you, but sure. So I meant to bring the Remember last episode, I was like, oh, I I'm, I'm had something I wanted to say, but I forgot. Yeah. So this is what I forgot. Okay. Does it make sense now? <laughs> I hope. So you and Farrah Fowler uh, in the first uh, episode for Indiana Jones made the point or the argument that Indiana Jones as a character was unnecessary to the plot or the story of each movie, right? To the first movie. Oh, so only to the first movie? Yeah. Okay. Then never mind, because I was going to make an argument that obviously it was necessary for the second movie, but uh, I guess I can just reiterate that he was also necessary for the first movie, but um, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't that I was necessarily agreeing with her. It was just a funny thing that happened on uh, the Big Bang Theory. Now, I am of a firm belief now that Big Bang Theory is not actually that funny. Yeah. Um, it was for like a season or two. Yeah. And then it kind of, I don't know fizzled out yeah although one of my favorite things is when they take out the laugh track and just put ricky gervais laughing at it did they do that i haven't yeah. seen that that oh, sounds hilarious yeah because it just it sounds satirical <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to uh, after the podcast we've got to watch that <laughs> yeah absolutely so right. my podcast news yeah we're still going strong with the giveaway how what so we're, we're still ramping up to 100 it's really important you know keep spreading the love of the rtr and Getting us more seen because, you know, we would love to keep doing what we're doing, but we need help from listeners like you. Exactly. So uh, share it, like it, comment it, subscribe to it, jingle the bell and all that stuff. We're not real. Well, uh, what we need you to do, folks and fellas and ladies and ladies, is to spread the word. Mm -hmm. And you could be in the running for some 3D specs and a DVD of a movie that we've covered on this podcast. And, you know, I will say we're covering some pretty good ones. So. You could be the recipient of any movie other than Temple of Doom, which we unanimously say, didn't love. I was just going to say, what and if we sent them Temple of Doom? <laughs> that would make me so happy. To you do. waited too long. This is what you get. Exactly. Yes, you get a punishment. Last place gets gets Temple of Doom. You know, I'm kind of wondering if we create like could create one of those spin the wheels. And so the first recipient of our giveaway, you know, it's not up to us. It's up to fate. But Love it's going to be Temple of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at Rose Tinted Reels. Um, we're also now on the YouTubes. Yep. Um, and we have a very special community called the RTR Community Face Place. And that has a lot of areas for just comments. And it's more of a social discussionary place. It's a lot of fun. Join us. Yes. And speaking of which. Yeah. On the RTR community face place, uh-huh. we posted something about Thanksgiving movies. Since since we're coming up to Thanksgiving, I thought it was appropriate. We, maybe mm-hmm. we should read some of the responses here. We've got... Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I proposed, is there a Thanksgiving movie aside from Thanksgiving and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? And those are the two that I came up with. The, the, I think those are the only two real Thanksgiving movies. But anyway, we have people on our community face place who disagreed. So we've got Marty, who said Son-in-Law. Now, I haven't heard of that. So Son-in-Law, it, I forgot about that movie, but that is a Thanksgiving movie with Polly Shore. Polly Shore, huh? It's yeah. actually a good movie. Like, it's, it's entertaining. All right. Hey, I'll watch a Polly Shore movie. Why not? Yeah. So we've also got Kevin Smith, the Kevin Smith, saying Freebirds. 
the Great Escape with Turkeys. But I think he was talking about Chicken Run. I think that's oh, what he was talking about. Yeah. Chicken Run's a good uh, movie, but is it really a Thanksgiving movie? No, because it doesn't have anything to do with think that they're trying to escape from becoming pot pies. I guess, can you have a pot pie on Thanksgiving? Is that traditional? It's traditional for leftovers, but it's a turkey pot pie, not a chicken pot pie, and chicken run as chickens. Yeah, but what... Uh, maybe it's also some set in cultures, England. Some cultures in England have Thanksgiving with chickens. There's no Thanksgiving in England. They're not grateful. Dutch? Yeah. There's another movie someone suggested, Kyle. Good old Kyle Spear. Mike Mulvaney says Alice's Restaurant is loosely based on Thanksgiving. That one I don't remember seeing. Somebody said Thanksgiving 3, which as we all know is the sequel to 1. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was terrible, so I, I don't acknowledge that one. And I don't think that one actually is set around Thanksgiving versus the first one the kids were coming home for Thanksgiving break. Now what about Adam's Family Values? Is, is that Thanksgiving-y? So technically, no. So Adam's Family Values is set during a summer camp where they right, made yeah, a yeah. Thanksgiving play. So the the play and the Thanksgiving part of it really was only one scene in the movie that was supposed to be set over summertime camp. Well, you've been refuted, commenter. Pieces of April, someone says. So Pieces of April. Annette. Yeah, so that is a, she's trying to create a Thanksgiving meal to reconnect with her family, and she's kind of a manic pixie dream girl kind of person. All right, so we've got also Roy Chernikoff suggesting two movies, Grumpy Old Men and The Last Waltz. Now, I've also spoken to some people about the suggestions here, and I've heard that The Last Waltz is certainly not a Thanksgiving movie. I don't have the facts in front of me, so I can't properly refute it, but Roy needs to... uh, to think long and hard. <laughs> Before getting publicly refuted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, so head on over to the RTR Community Face Place where you can respond to posts like that. You can make your own posts, discuss movies, episodes, the whole deal. It's a lot of fun. So I think that's it for comments. As for five-star reviews, we're actually recording this a mere three days after we finished recording uh, Indiana Jones 2 episode. So I don't think we've gotten any new five-star reviews in that time. But a friendly, if stern, reminder to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review for we shall read whatever you put there, no matter how anything, negative, positive, neutral. I'd like to see, this is a challenge out there for all of you literary folks, write the most neutral review in the world. (laughs) (laughs) i don't want anyone to know how you feel about this show but it has to be five stars or we won't read it so uh, i think that's it for podcast news act two inside the real Mm -hmm. events of this year 1989 again i think we've hit upon a unique year we i think we've hit every year in the 80s without duplication just about well there was one duplication and we are like so we're not gonna do it again (laughs) was there yeah I, i forget now I forget. Which oh, actually, I, I think, think the- I think you didn't do anything more, but I think I, I'm now remembering. I don't remember which movie it was, but I think I came up with some new trivia for it. Oh, that's right. I was lazy or something. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> so 1989, my news is just as depressing as ever. And that's oh, what you're going to get from me. The tearjerk news. All right. Hang on. Let me practice real quick. Find my womp sound. Here, oh. Okay. I found it. Got it. Go ahead. You have the, oh, Allison all queued up. Yep. So I don't have... A ton of news, so I don't know how many trivias you have. So I'm going to start with the Velvet Revolution started that year. Due to this revolution, Czechoslovakia became the Czech Republic by 1993. 
November of 1989, students were protesting the communist leadership peacefully in Prague, and they were violently subdued with 100 hospitalizations. Following that single-day protest, thousands more came in to join the peaceful protest in Prague and demand uh, that the leadership step down. And so they were successfully able to free the uh, Czechoslovakia to the Czech Republic by taking this. <laughs> oh, Allison. <laughs> I didn't think that one was terribly depressing because it had a happy ending, but, you know. Yeah, that's why uh, I didn't do my... <sighs> so, unfor- like, uh, you know... Obviously, it's sad when anyone's hurt during a peaceful protest, but the end result was, you know, a hundred ti- times more sad. The overthrow of the communist leadership regime? No, because a hundred people were hurt. Oh, yeah. Did you just conk your nose? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Allison's over here conking her nose. It makes me want to sneeze for some reason. It makes me want to shout, make me stand up and shout. shout. So popular years, popular years, <clears throat> popular. We're only interested in one. <laughs> Popular films in the year 1989. Talking Batman, Lethal Weapon 2. Yep. Back to the Future 2. Yep. Ghostbusters 2. A lot of sequels. And Twins, which is two of a kind, right? Well, they're that's not a, of a kind. That's a lot they, of twos. It is a lot of two. That's it's a, lot, a twofer. Uh, that was a deuce of a year. A deuce of a year. Deuces. So, uh, also, The Little Mermaid. Driving Miss Daisy. Uh-huh. Parenthood. Dead Poet Society. That is such a good movie. Have you seen that one? Dead Poet Society? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. With Robbie Will? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I Wilson think you should. from uh, House. Wilson. Was Robert Sean Leonard in that movie? That's that's Wilson from House. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't remember his name. <laughs> I remember that he was Wilson from House. Anyway, License to Kill. Uh-huh. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I love Rick Moranis. That was a good year for him then, if he did Ghostbusters 2 and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yes, it was, yeah. I think I saw that, or maybe one of the sequels. I remember on one of the VHSs I owned, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, or Honey, I Shrunk the Kids Again, or whatever, was one of the previews. And I watched the hell out of that movie, so I saw that preview so many times. You know what's really funny is one of the movies I've seen the most in my entire life is The Labyrinth. And on the VHS tape of The Labyrinth, before the movie, there was, I think it's called The Order of the Rose or The Name of the Rose. It's a Sean Connery, Christian Slater murder mystery with monks. And it, the, the trailer. Murder mystery with monks. The trailer was absolutely terrifying. And I remember because I would put in the VHS tape, like for some reason, fast forward didn't work. So I had to leave the room until the trailers were done. And then I could come back in and watch my favorite movie, which granted is a creepy movie. Like the labyrinth has some very alarming visuals, but Ooh, I wouldn't know. We, we will watch it. Don't you fret. Continuing <laughs> to my list. Sorry. My left foot. Uh huh. And when Harry met Sally. There you go. Big movies of the year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When Harry met Sally is a quintessential film. I'll have what she's orgasming to. Coleslaw. Was it coleslaw? Wow. Must've been some good coleslaw. <laughs> Well, she was uh, proving a point. That, Powerful slaw. Yeah. Uh, that, that's all I have for uh, films in 1989. What do you have? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snipe it because I know that you're going to get to this factoid at some point. Nintendo released Game Boy. Japan released it first in April and then the U.S. in July. Damn you. <laughs> Damn you. I'm just going to delete it. I, was, I just wanted to have one normal good news thing. Damn you. <laughs> 
All right, I'm deleting it from my list in anger. In protest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, do you have this one, though? The Galileo spacecraft is launched by NASA on October 18th. I did not have that one. Well. Did you know that the Hillsborough disaster occurred in 1989? I didn't, but did you know the new prime minister in South Africa, F.W. de Klerk, starts to dismantle apartheid in 1989? I didn't know that, but I didn't put that down on my list. But did, did you know what the Hillsborough disaster was? Like, is that a thing that people know what that is? Because I was going to quickly describe what it was. Oh, uh, you can go ahead. I don't know what people know, but I don't know about it. Oh. Uh, so at the FA Cup between Liverpool and Nottingham at Hillsborough Stadium, 96 fans were crushed to death at the section of the stadium which collapsed. It collapsed because 700 or more fans um, were just kind of pushed into the same overcrowded pen. And these fans were um, pushing against um, some safety fencing. So the stadium segment collapsed on them. So 96 fans, women, children, and younger people were crushed and then... Over 700 fans were injured in the same incident. Doesn't it bother you that women are put in, put in the same camp as children? Um, I mean, I, what, what struck me as weird is how many kids were specifically stated in this particular part of the stadium. It's like, why was this a kids-only zone? <laughs> maybe it was a daycare. Maybe. Maybe. But the, the women and children thing... I always found that to be really insulting. If I were a woman, I'd be like, don't put me in with the children. I'll go out with the men. So I'm thinking a Titanic. Yeah. And my options are get on a boat with some kids and survive. Or oh, sure. You can set when you when the shit's going down, <laughs> I'll do anything to survive. But when I'm safely in my home, I'm going to make a strong point. When you're nice, toasty, warm and have a you know, husky dog warming your toes. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I also expect not to be looked down on as a man dressing up like a woman or a child. <laughs> <laughs> or like in Titanic, you know, Billy saying, I'm all this child has in the world. Here, hold this child. I don't know her. <laughs> uh, or, or in the uh, Titanic episode of Futurama, the professor dresses up like a kid, puts a little spinny wheel, uh, spinny thing hat on, carries a lollipop. <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah, that was my uh, depressing news. Oh, oh. oh well, Allison. <laughs> And again, that's not me laughing. Oh, you laughed time. at the time. I laughed at the time, <laughs> but I'm not laughing now. Oh, you'll laugh one day. And for the rest of my life. <laughs> and for the rest of your life, you'll be laughing. Uh, also on this year, 1989, George H.W. Bush becomes president of these United States of America. Okay. okay. So I that, you know, that, that's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's all we strive for. doesn't have to be bust out laughing type of thing but it was interesting we're educational yeah exactly kids can listen to this and learn we're, things we're edutainment yes <laughs> that's a good buzzword for us yes uh 10 buddy was executed in jail in florida you bastard took another one of mine no <laughs> well it will serve you well to know that that was my last bit of trivia all right. Did you know that the first of the 24 satellites for the global positioning system were placed into orbit on this year? I didn't. No, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. <laughs> it's true. Uh, also, I, I'm one with dark knowledge. Also on this year, Ford buys Jaguar and oh. the name officially changed from Jaguar. Jaguar. As the British would say, for some ungodly reason, why do they say Jaguar? Or aluminium. Well, that is, they actually spell it differently for that, but they don't spell Jaguar any differently, but 
but they say Jaguar. Now, for any British listener out there, please follow along with me. Say the word language. And if you dare to tell me you pronounce it language, I'm going to punch you on the nose. So you don't. Language. It's language. It's Jaguar. So uh, James Corden recently had an episode where he was talking about the difference between American speech patterns and British speech patterns. He's so lame. I mean, he's vanilla pudding. He, he's the Brad Majors of British comedy. He's spoiled vanilla pudding. I, I really, he, he makes me cringe. Looking at him in a still picture makes me cringe. When I'm seeing him actually speak, I double cringe. Oh! In his performance in Into the Woods, I did find him endearing. Oh, I don't know about his performances, but him in real life, mm. especially as a talk show person. <laughs> oh! Tech just says no, thank you. <laughs> no, he's the worst. <laughs> he's so bad. Oh, I see. I I don't have as strong an opinion. I I just I know in the roles that I've seen him in, like Into the Woods specifically, mm-hmm. he was just very endearing in that one role. And he, I liked him in Doctor Who. Wasn't he in an episode of Doctor Who? Yeah, he's a uh, um the the father of Storm again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought he was fine in, in Doctor Who. I don't have a problem with him acting. I have a problem with his comedy or yeah. lack thereof. I mean, he's kind of like, you know how like Wayne Brady is like tempered for a specific age demographic of comedy? Yeah, but I like Wayne Brady. Yeah, but so imagine. Occasionally he has to choke a bitch. <laughs> so it's just, you know, I think James Corden is setting his bar for a certain type of safe comedy i suppose well it makes me hate him that's fair yeah as i was telling the story i forgot what word he was arguing we're not correct about in the american vernacular oh herb no but we should say herb because there's an h in it it. (laughs) uh let me let me think back on it because it's new memory so it's not quite in my easy pull and i wasn't prepared to talk about james corden today that's all right nobody prepares to talk about james corden because nobody likes him (laughs) All right, so let's move on to the synopsis. Would you tell me the real synopsis for this movie? Like, what is this movie even about? In 1938, after his father, Professor Harry Henry... uh, (laughs) I'm starting over. Harry Henry... Harry Henry, Harry Henry, no relations. It sounds like a kid's story. And Harry Henry went outside. It sounds like it's an anthropomorphized monkey or something like that. Or like the, the story's about a kid who needs a haircut. Yeah. And at the end, he finally gets his haircut, and then he's no longer Harry Henry. Oh, damn. <laughs> Let me start over, please. That was really funny, though. <laughs> and now I'm going to mess it up again because... <laughs> In 1938, after his father, Professor Henry Jones Sr., goes missing while pursuing the Holy Grail, Professor (laughs) Henry Indiana Jones Jr. finds himself up against Adolf Hitler's Nazis, again to stop them from obtaining its powers. Yeah, apt. Yeah. So my bad synopsis Uh is Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Harry Henry. I'm going to call him Harry Henry from now on. (laughs) Which is funny because, you know. He is kind of hairy. Everywhere but the top of his head, Mr. Uh, Indiana Jones Sr. Yeah, yeah. Which is not Indiana Jones, it's Harry Henry Jones. Yeah, exactly. He's, well, he's got a bit of fuzz, but uh, yeah, for the most part, all of his hair fled down south. Yeah. <laughs> it's going south for winter. Really. <laughs> uh, so, Indiana Jones has a type and it's batshit crazy women. If that- she was less crazy and and more like, what's what's the opposite of chaotic neutral? Justified neutral or whatever? Is that what lawful, it's called? Neutral. La- lawful neutral. But she's so, not lawful. Okay. She's not, but she's not chaotic, but she's certainly neutral. She's, she'll kind of align herself with anybody so she can get what she wants and she'll 
any kind of atrocity is fine. So I would agree with the neutral, if only for like when Elsa's at the book burning and crying and upset about that. Yeah, but she still aligns herself with that and and, and is part of that machine so that she can get what she wants. Right, so uh, either neutral evil or chaotic evil. Yeah. Because she's not really an agent of chaos. There is a rhyme or reason to her action, so I think neutral evil is more apt for her. Yeah, that's where I was landing to. Um, so I, I didn't think she was as crazy and certainly not as incompetent as the women from the, the past movies, especially the last one. And I don't, did anyone, did she shout Andy at any point during this movie? I think there's parts where she was shouting, but I don't remember her saying the word Indy specifically. But I think I, she I, was, she was also shouting in like anger and stuff like that. She wasn't shouting so that the big strong man would come help her. She was just, you know. Yeah, the, the only scene that comes to mind is the rats scene. That's the only time where she was in a position to call uh, for yeah. aid. That's right. He had to carry her out of there. Well, or swim. <laughs> well, no, at one yeah. point he did sling her over his shoulder. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, Don't man. Because like, you almost expect like a whack. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, okay, we're, gonna, we're definitely going to come to that sort of vibe that Indiana Jones continues to put out. Yeah. Manly man. Yeah, manly man. I'll do what I want to do. Now get over here and kiss me. How dare you. Don't you kiss me that way. I'm going to kiss you. So what is your bad synopsis? My bad synopsis is a father and son lose a cup and crack kills an Austrian lady. (laughs) I like it a lot. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Tickles. (laughs) So did you know that this movie... Was almost Indiana Jones and the Monkey King. Uh, was this one of the many drafts that Chris Columbus wrote for the movie? Uh, I don't think it was a Chris uh, Columbus one. Um, oh, but, it was. Uh, was it? So uh, before the storyline um, about the Holy Grail was conceived for Indiana Jones 3, originally the, phone, uh, the film was supposed to be called Indiana Jones and the Monkey King, which would have seen Indy go up against a ghost in Scotland in a haunted mansion. The Fountain of Youth would have been the legend that Indiana was focused on. Things changed up a bit later in revisions of the script, and he instead was searching for the peaches of immortality. Needless to say, George Lucas and C.B. Spielbs decided to go a completely different route, which was probably for the best. Well, I've got, yeah, so I've got a little bit that I can fill in there. So the the one in Scott, the Haunted Mansion in Scotland. Which I also would have been entertained by. Uh, Stevie Spielberg was against that one because he said it was too similar to Poltergeist, and he wanted to go in a very different direction. Now, The Monkey King, that was one that was written by Chris Columbus, and George Lucas and Stevie Spielberg both said, and this has to mean a whole lot after Temple of Doom, they said it was too racist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because what's interesting is like the Monkey King legend, there's been some great movies that have come out about the Monkey King legend. Oh, no, no, like, no doubt you could actually make a movie and not be racist about that topic. But his particular brand. Was- they said that too many uh, negative stereotypes about Africans. <laughs> No, 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 not, it's either too racist or not racist enough. And <laughs> you, you just went over the wrong line. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, yep, that's interesting. Now, my first one is that 2000 rats were actually bred for the production of this movie and they had to be bred specifically as ordinary rats would have been riddled with disease. Huh. There's actually part of the, that scene with the rats that I found kind of interesting because they were clearly fake rats. Like they were either motorized or... You hope. Yeah, I, I, well, PETA. <laughs> when was PETA founded? This is a Googleable. <laughs> yeah. He always asks me these questions. It's like dramatic pause as I type into Google. <laughs> well, you don't have to. You can just go, uh, and then I'll go, all right. 
1980, March 22nd. Okay, so for nine years, PETA had existed. In Rockville, Maryland. Hey, Maryland. What? Yeah. To our shame, PETA uh, originated <laughs> here? <laughs> and what's really funny is like I still have like the lawful good. And I was like, what, is, what does PETA have to do with lawful PETA good? PETA is not <laughs> lawful good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're uh, chaotic good at best. Well, they're definitely chaotic. Like them and Greenpeace, they're, they're kind of that same. You know what? They're, they're lawful to their own doctrine. Well, everyone is, including Hitler. Well, but it's still the law of their their land. They would define themselves as lawful good. But uh, that's interesting. So they had existed for nine years before this movie came out. So certainly they would have had words. I was kind of kind of concerned that they had bred so many real rats to be used for this and made to go in the water and crawl all over themselves and stuff like that. Surely that, that wouldn't have been a pleasant experience for those rats. No, I mean, uh, honestly, I, I am glad of animal protection in cinema because, like, when you look back at, say, like, even spaghetti westerns, all the uh, trip lines that they would put out for horses, they would really hurt a lot of animals during the making of films. Yeah. and or, So um, anytime you see that little logo pop up that no animals were harmed in the making of this film, I, I am happy to see that. Yeah, I mean, anymore, that, I used to be really happy when I would read that as a kid. Uh, I'd see that in movies and it would make me happy. But anymore, I, I feel like there's not even really a concern for that happening. Just because this has been established for so long that you don't hurt animals. But also CG is mm -hmm. for anything that's getting hurt in a movie, it's always CG. Which kind of takes away from the, the visceral fear that I feel for people and animals in movies now. So I will say during Black Christmas, there's a cat. And um, the whole movie, I'm like... Nothing better happened to that cat. Nothing better happened to that cat. And then? <laughs> Nothing happened to the cat. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> so what's your next trivies? So in this film, there was a complete digital composite shot, which was the first digital composite shot in cinema. What do you mean by digital composite shot? Meaning that they're not compositing with two film overlaying each other. It was done completely digitally. It's combining CGI with photography in the cinema. So it's the first time where they were overlaying those two things. So it was one specific scene, uh, which is after Indiana Jones makes it through the three tests leading to the Holy Grail chamber, Donovan and Elsa soon enter the chamber behind him. Elsa gives Donovan the cup she thinks is the Holy Grail, so Donovan drinks the holy water from it. She chose Parley, and he quickly ages before turning into a skeleton. The effect was incredibly complex and is actually considered the first ever complete digital composite effect in a movie. All three of the Indiana Jones movies have had some incredible special effects, but Donovan's death is actually considered among the most impressive, combining the CGI with the photography. So that actually will play into my did this do something for cinema question later. My next bit of trivia is for the scene at the Nazi rally in Berlin where Indiana confronts Elsa and steals back the diary. Stevie Spielbs had all the extras who actually were wearing real Nazi uniforms and they were doing the salute. They were simultaneously putting their other arm, arm behind their back and crossing their fingers. Crossing their fingers? Yeah, like the schoolboy, like I'm lying and I'm holding my hand behind my back. So that when they were doing the Nazi salute, they were indicating that they didn't mean it. Oh, okay. I was like, huh. <laughs> but also interesting that they were all real Nazi uniforms. They weren't costumes. Yeah, that would make me a little uncomfortable for some reason. Even if it was a costume, like I would feel better about it than knowing it was a real one. Right. So Pat Roach is in every film of the trilogy. Who? So the actor Pat Roach, you'll recognize him as the guy that gets killed in the airplane scene. Oh, he was big, uh, brawling, muscular uh, Nazi man. Yep. 
So there, there aren't very many people that starred in all of the films. Roach appeared in Raiders of the Lost Ark as the giant Sherpa who gets chopped into pieces by the airplane baits. In the second film, he appears as the guard in Temple of Doom who whips the child slaves and fights Indiana before the minecart scene. And the actor once again appears in The Last Crusades as a Nazi character named Gestapo, who has a very <laughs> brief appearance in the movie. His name was Gestapo? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Roach would likely would have a cameo in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but unfortunately he passed away in 2004 at the age of 67. Hmm. Well, so the four horses used in the final scenes outside the temple were loaned to the movie personally by the King Hussein of Jordan. I saw that. That was so cool. (laughs) It's very interesting. I wonder why he was so uh, interested in helping out. Uh, So also, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford wore no trousers during the shooting of the entire Zeppelin sequence. Did did you jump your fact to your second fact because you saw that that was my last fact? I thought, yeah, I thought it was. uh, Oh, 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 no, I thought you had just read that. (laughs) Okay, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you you were already starting. No, I thought you had already read all of yours. That's why I was continuing. Oh, no. Uh, Yeah, my my last one is no pants, no problem. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's what I called it. Yeah, so uh, the the scene in the dirigible was so hot in the in the blimp that they decided to work only in their shorts to stay cool during filming. So that's why when you're seeing the scene between Indian and his father, you don't see below the belt line. In my mind, they weren't even wearing underwear. <laughs> well, what's funny is no one actually said they were given permission to do that. I think Sean Connery just did it, and Harrison Ford's like, Phew. who's gonna deny Sean Connery? Yeah, yeah, no one. That is the correct answer. But yeah, no, it was funny because when you leapt into it, I was like, he read my prompter. (laughs) (laughs) No, I thought you had finished. That's why I went ahead. So now you're done, right? Now I'm done. (laughs) Okay. You do what you need to do. (laughs) Uh, So due to his commitment to this movie, Stevie Spielbs had to drop out of directing Big and Rain Man, which I guess he had been intending to direct. I did really like Big. So did I. Also, during the Castle Brunwald Rescue, Henry Jones Sr. expresses dismay at Indiana, inadvertently bringing his diary into enemy hands, saying that he should have mailed it to the Marx Brothers. Mm -hmm. Harpo Marx revealed in his autobiography that he once actually had to smuggle a journal of important documents out of Russia to keep it from falling into enemy hands. Huh, that's really cool. Yeah, isn't that neat? All right, and my very last trivia is that Laurence Olivier, widely considered to be the greatest British actor of the 20th century, was briefly considered to play the Grail Knight. But he was too ill to commit to the role and died shortly after the movie's release. That's kind of sad because I know how much you love Olivier. I, I think that would have changed your outlook on this film. I think that would have been amazing. That uh, is a real shame that couldn't happen. All right. Now, quiz time. Are you ready? No. I didn't have a quiz for <laughs> Temple of Doom because it was worthless. And you didn't care enough to research one. No, that movie didn't deserve a quiz. But this one perhaps does. So... You ready? As hell up for me. Question number one. What? What was the real cause of Harrison Ford's chin scar? Wasn't it an airplane accident? Uh, You asked me a question. I'm looking for an answer. (laughs) I believe it was an airplane accident. Like he was flying planes and... Slightly incorrect. Uh, He cut his chin in a car accident in Southern California when he was about 20 years old. Oh, okay. Yeah, and... I know that he has been in an airplane accident. Maybe I was just blending the information. He was in an, uh, an airplane accident. He was flying it. Yeah, when he, I'm trying to remember. I he think I was in high school. Land. Yeah, I think I was in high school. I think he had to land in like a golf course or something like that in California. I was, I was quoting the movie. 
I didn't know you could fly planes. Yes, just can't land them. <laughs> Question number two. Who plays young Indy Joe? Um, Walker. Um, Texas Ranger? <laughs> no. Uh, River Phoenix, isn't it? Uh, is that your answer? <sighs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes, that is correct. River Phoenix. One point. Two, damn it, man. I, I like, swear. Why are they laughing at me? I swear. Whee! Okay, one point, Allison. Now, question number three. What does young Indy Joe think belongs in a museum? It is the cross. Uh, it's a golden cross. Now I'm trying to, because it's also the name of the vessel that sinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, beans. Because I see the ship going down, and I see the words, but for some reason I can't read the words. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say it starts with a G. The thinking theme. (laughs) This is bothering me because I know it. Like it, I feel it right there in the tube of (laughs) tongue. And I want to say it's like Guadalajara, but it's not Guadalajara. Well, could be. I can't remember. Someone say Guadalajara. All right. Allison guesses Guadalajara. The correct answer is the cross of Coronado. Coronado. Coronado Springs. That's what it made me think of. God bless America. (laughs) All right. So Allison has one point. And a headache. (laughs) Question number four. (laughs) Where did Indy get his trademark hat? Or rather, from whom did he get his trademark hat? So the original people uh, searching through the mines where they find the cross of Coronado, the head of that expedition gave him the hat. Do you know his name? No. His name is, you look like you're about to say something. No, it's about to say, Indiana? <laughs> uh, his name is Fedora. That is a terrible name. <laughs> he, th- so he had two options, get beat up or be cool. So he decided to be cool. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll give you half a point. Okay. So you've got one and a half points now. So you get a half a clap. Question number five. What parting advice does Donovan give Indy? Trust no one. Close enough. Don't trust anybody. So you get a point. Yay! All right, question number six. Okay. You've got two and a half points. Who is Brody and Indy's contact in Venice? Uh, Elsa, Dr. Elsa... I forget her last name, but it's Dr. Elsa. I guess I'll give you the goddamn point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Her last name is... Strudel. (laughs) Close enough, really. (laughs) Uh, Schneider. Schneider, yeah. (laughs) All right, so you've got, what, three and a half points now? Yep. All right, this one, this last one's for all the marbles. If you get this one right, you win the game. Who tries to kill Indy and Dr. Schneider in the catacombs and in the boat chase? So Looking the, for an organization name. So he's part of the New Order of the Knights Templar that are trying to protect the um, the sacred relic. Yes. What is the order's name? The New Knights Templar. <laughs> <laughs> they call us New Knights. <laughs> <laughs> no, because aren't they part of the, the Templar? Negatory. Okay. I remember they, they have the tattoo and I could describe the tattoo. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember what their order is called. The order is called the Brotherhood of the Cruciform Sword. Gesundheit. Thank you. 
All right, so I'm afraid you lost the final point, which means you lose the whole game. I take it as a <laughs> <laughs> oh, Allison. So, so again, that's not me talking at the beginning of that sound clip <laughs> or the end. That's all recorded. So, and how do you how do you really feel inside if you had to make your own sounds? I mean, it, it, I'm disappointed in myself. I, I you know, th- these are films that I feel like I should be an expert on, and you always bring up questions at a left field or knowledge at a left field that, or follow up questions that I'm just not prepared to answer. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I, I feel like I'm um, making myself redundant. It's basically, hey, watch this movie. <laughs> good, right? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Except <right>. last week. <laughs> all right, all right. How about this one? I'll give you a bonus question if you get this one right. You win the game. Okay, well, the pressure's on. <laughs> Who played Indiana Jones? Harrison Ford. Yay! Thank you. Congratulations. I'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> to Allison, no longer Rockland Krauss now, <laughs> for winning the last Crusade trivia quiz. Woohoo! Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank uh, do you have anything to say to your fans? I just. Moving on to Act (laughs) 3, movie analysis. Okay. All right. Do you remember your nostalgia rating for this movie? 7.5. And what did you predict my real rating would be for this movie? 6.5. Oh, boy. We'll just have to... Let me see if you're right. (laughs) I I really, really want you to like it, so... Well, we'll see. We'll just just see, won't we? All right. So, uh, are we prepared to get into the analysis of this here movie? I believe we are. All right. What, pray, is your first timestamp? Six minutes, 30 seconds. I call it the birth of the snake fear, which I will admit that this was a much bigger deal in my head than it turned out to be on the screen. So far, what's happened is young Indiana has tried to reclaim the cross of Coronado, and he's trying to escape from it what he is sure are bandits of some kind with the cross to bring to the proper authorities. And he has jumped onto a circus, iron horse. circus train. Aren't they called iron horses? Isn't that a nickname for trains in the I'm, old days? I'm not familiar with that, but it could be. So running along the train he's going through an animal pen that is just full of various snakes and exotic creatures the roof slides and he falls into an anaconda water pit and then into a box of a whole bunch of snakes so before this scene he was fine with snakes yeah but now that they're crawling all up and down his trousers less excited about them so i i was kind of that kind of <laughs> anticlimactic. Yes, <laughs> so anticlimactic. He was at, he picked a snake off his friend at the beginning of the movie. He's like, it's just a snake, and then he falls into a thing where there are some snakes that didn't attack him, small ones as well. And well, the, the big anaconda did attack him. No, the anaconda kind of hissed at him, it's like, and that's it. This is my water bath. And then later he has a, a lion roar at him. He's not scared of lions. Okay, lions are a little thin on the ground every time we're seeing these movies. Still. I mean, I'm sure if he's... Now, I think everyone's a little phobic of a lion. If you were walking down the street and there was just a fucking lion, I think we'd all be a little scared. Yeah, but that's not an irrational fear. (laughs) You need to get out of there or you're going to die. That's the the whole reason we have an amygdala. (laughs) Fight or flight. Get the hell out. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That big scary monster is going to kill you. And you are crunchy. It tastes great with ketchup. 
So yeah, I thought that it was weird, especially since the, the snakes that he actually fell in when he started screaming mm-hmm. were small and insignificant. Yeah, they didn't seem exotic or aggressive or anything. Yeah, so I just I found it funny that there's all this build up to his hatred of snakes. And snakes. they they show us that he's not scared when there's one on his um, little bugled friend, but suddenly when there's a basin of them, it's a new and terrifying experience, and for yeah. the rest of his life. Yeah, for the rest of his life, he's scared of snakes. I don't know. It, it seems they now, could have done better. You know, I will say my fear of spiders came from poking a spider's nest and them hatching and like going up my arm. Yeah, I had the same experience. So. I mean, one trivial experience can make or break your your phobic life. Yeah, but I was already scared of spiders. Oh, I I wasn't I was unnerved, but I wasn't like scared scared. I wasn't scared scared until that. I think I've I don't remember if there was like a specific moment that I became scared of spiders. I think it was just kind of always I didn't like spiders. So you, the listener, talk to us about your irrational phobias or rational phobias, and we'll their counsel origins. you. We'll yeah. counsel you through your hard times. At the RTR community face place. Yeah, we should set up like a, a group therapy, an <laughs> agony ant area where we can. That's actually a good name, the agony ant area of the community <laughs> face place, <laughs> and we'll help you through your problems, yeah. including fear of spiders, uh, it's fear like, of small holes, which people have. So the the textural thing never bothered me until recently, and it's very specific textures that I had a problem with. It, it's the same phobia as the fear of small holes. So it's, we were watching The Mandalorian, and there's this texture on this furry egg, and it just bothered me, and I could not begin to tell you why. I remember, yeah, we were watching that, and you were like, the, you said it was too furry or something? Yeah, like, it looked like if you touched it, it would, something about it just sets me off. I don't know what it is about it. I don't know. There's something about rubbing with your forefinger and thumb along a paper towel uh-huh. that sends shivers down my spine. It feels so weird. Weird. Yeah. Huh. It disturbs me. Huh. And on a deep level. But I wouldn't say it's a phobia. Like if someone told me to do that and get $5, I'd be fine. Well, so I, I do have friends who like can't touch cardboard because of it. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a similar thing with cardboard for me too. But yeah. like I can do it. I'm fine. I'm an adult man. And you will do the things. Yeah. <laughs> do the things I need to do. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> speaking of snakes, I just watched. You watched Anaconda? I, no, I watched <laughs> Crystal Skull. So Indie Joe 4. And I, want, I, I don't know if I'm going to disappoint a lot of people out there, but I have to say, coming from someone who is not nostalgic about these movies, who just saw them recently, I will tell you firmly without hesitation that the fourth Indiana Jones movie for the most part, was not a bad movie. There were, uh, the ants scene was stupid. And the ending where with the alien and it turned all sci-fi and stuff like that was eh. But for the most part, the movie was fine. It was a little boring. I mean, but it wasn't like as exciting as the older ones, but it was fine. So, it was nowhere near as bad as the second one. So at the end of our viewing, when we get to our ratings, I am going to ask you to rank the four. Okay, I'll do that. I can already know where number two is. <laughs> yeah, number two, I think I gave a one and a two for every category. Yeah, but yeah, just your overall heart feel, I'll say. I'll rank the four movies with heart. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so just be prepared. I will ask that of you. Yeah, and I actually would like to hear from people on the RTR community face place how they thought, how they would compare the second movie and the fourth movie. Mm-hmm. Because I'd like to start a conversation because I'm going to weigh in heavy. <laughs> 
going to come in a heavy hitter. I know. I'm coming for people who say that the second movie is better than the fourth because you are wrong. <laughs> or if you say that, when's the last time you watched the second one? Because, you know, my opinion of the second one did change after this time. Yeah. And I'm not saying the fourth one's a masterpiece, but whew, the second one is garbage. Garbage. <laughs> Hot or otherwise. It's hot and cold garbage together, creating a really weird sensation on your skin. Ooh, Rub- why on the skin? It, it, why rubs, the skin? it rubs like up your back in a place where you can't oh. really easily clean it off. Stop it. I feel like I just, <laughs> I just had a shower and now I feel like I need another one. Yeah, uh, uh, it's bad. Real terrible. So uh, let's go. So um, young Indy Joe is running along the train, getting past the bad guys again and falls into... And lion's den. And on the train. Doesn't then become fearful of lions. Overly fearful. <laughs> He's the correct amount of a feared. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was actually, when we were watching this earlier, I thought that uh, just back to the, the snake scene, it seemed like the perfect origin story. It was kind of the same thing that happened to Bruce Wayne in Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. He fell down and a bunch so of. He could have become Snake Man. He could have been Snake Man. Why didn't he turn into Snake Man? Because he wanted to become an archaeologist. Because he was doused in snakes? Yes. Dumb. <laughs> All I will say is, look at this kitty. He's a beautiful kitty. Yeah, he's a fine fella. Like, he almost looks like he's smiling a little bit. Well, yeah, he just wants to give little young Indy Joe a hug. He parts his long bangs. See, he gave him a warning growl. He doesn't want to hurt him. No, I think he's just like, hey, I usually get food from people who come in here. <laughs> and then Indy Joe whips his chin in a really odd angle like the marquita saw <laughs> but he whipped it up and down and somehow the scar went side to side not really sure how that worked i do like it's when interesting did they ever use his name Ooh, that's a good freeze frame i think later but uh the the dude fedora mm-hmm. wearing the hat and the whole like indiana jones uh, archaeology outfit looking cool so i guess uh we're supposed to say that indy joe just ripped his look off from this fella yeah and approach and style. And he probably built up this whole story in his head of who this guy was and then spent the rest of his life emulating him. Yeah, but he knew that he was doing wrong because he stole it away from him and was chasing, you know, running away and such. Well, he thought it was wrong. He thought that these were kind of some kind of bandits. Yeah. Turns out they were, you know, hired help, but... <laughs> but it also seemed like they, you know, hired an Indiana Jones lookalike to play it. I was wondering if maybe that was his stunt double, because we said in the last episode that his stunt double was supposed to look so very like him that they did they could actually shoot shots from where the, the stunt double was the one in the scene. They could shoot shots from the front, mm-hmm. where his face was visible, because no one could tell the difference at that distance. Hmm. Now I wonder. But I also never knew that the guy's name was Fez, so... <laughs> Fedora. Or a fez. We do see a lot of fezes. This movie is fez heavy. <laughs> so uh, Indiana has just escaped from the train and has booked it back to his home where Sean Connery, his father, is sitting at a table translating and drawing things out of a book as he's researching the Holy Grail legend. And as they're coming into the, the house and he's trying to get his attention, and then smiles, knowing that the law is on its way because he sees Bugle Boy with uh, the sheriff and enter the bandits into the house so, with the cop. Yeah. 
So I just, uh, so what happened is the sheriff makes him relinquish the cross and now his new hero. And he is going to base the entirety of his future on this very brief encounter with this guy. You lost today, but that doesn't mean you have to like it. <laughs> I gotta say that cut when it went to the old indie and he's smiling at the camera. I was not expecting him to get punched. <laughs> and then when he did, it actually made me laugh out loud. Yeah, like he, it fades from young Indiana with his head held down in the hat to a waterlogged hat looking up present day, quote unquote, present day, 1938 of the, on the Portugal coast, Indiana. Yeah. He's stolen the, the cross again from the same gentleman. One of the things that is happening in the scene is he's trying to regain that likability from the first few minutes of the original film, where he's again reiterating the need for these relics to be in museums and it research. belongs in a museum. Yeah, so I feel like the the early part of this film is to reestablish our barometer for this isn't the second movie. Don't worry, guys. Yeah, and actually, Stevie Spielberg uh, says this is his favorite one. And he said that he made this one for two reasons. Redemption. One, uh, one of them was that he had in talks with Jorge Lucas. They had talked about it being a trilogy. He didn't, I guess, he wasn't enthusiastic about the series after the second one. But he said out of obligation to Jorge Lucas, he made a third one. And he also wanted to prove that he could make a better movie than the second movie. Yeah. <laughs> the gentleman from the earlier scene that hired the bandits... It's approaching, um, the water is rough and tumble. Indy has a bloodied lip and he is laughing as he approaches. Dr. Jones, too small for two of us. That seems like a take on the, this town ain't big enough for the two of us kind of line. Yeah. (laughs) Also, what is with uh, sailors wearing the the black and white kind of striped shirts like this like that it's kind of like a nautical trope and i don't think i've seen real sailors wear black and white striped shirts like this well keep in mind this is the 30s yeah so maybe that's from sailors dressed in the 30s maybe maybe there's a lot of sweaters that were striped and it became the fashion maybe i don't, I don't know i don't know i ain't never been a sailor in the 30s so you haven't been time traveling. Your diary has been full of lies. Not yet. <laughs> he removes from a satchel the cross. It's got Jeezy on it. No museum. So do you. You're older than me. Sir. I know. <laughs> he doesn't look like that, though. He doesn't look that old. I mean, he's got a limp now, but still. He aged well. <laughs> yes, he did. Maybe he's been drinking from the chalice, baby. The chalice from the palace. Or the chessel with the peasant. It's from Petra. That's where it was. They're fighting over the cross. Uh, the storm is getting worse. The cross is knocked from his hand. Beating Whoop. up some guys, and it's now going dangerously close to the edge and into I was, the ocean. I was really looking forward to Indy trying to fight a shark for that. <laughs> Do a better job than Jason Statham. Fighting a shark. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I actually don't care as much about the Meg one way or the other. Like, to me, it was just <laughs> inconsequential, but... It gets so, me all fired up. Yeah. So now he's vacating the boat and diving into the water. 
And the boat has a 90s explosion. Yeah, there were a lot of those in this movie. So something that I will say that I felt watching this scene again now as an, you know, as an adult and recently watching this for some reason I got really freaked out that some survivor of the ship would like grab my ankle in the dark water. That's a very random thing. Yeah, no, like nothing would indicate that that's going to happen. You're kind of left with the impression that there were no survivors. But I'm like, if I was in the water, I'd be worried someone would grab my ankle. I would be worried about a shark. And as we learned, we got a follow up comment from one of your friends, Mike Chesney. What's his name? Matt Fontaine. Yep. (laughs) So we got We got a note from him that the events of Jaws were actually realistic as spoken about by Robert Shaw. It was based on true story. From World War Two, when the the ship or the the airplane went down or the ship went down, one of the two. And they had a bunch of folks in the water and there were deep sea sharks. Mm -hmm. And I ended up when you told me about that, I looked up deep sea sharks and apparently they are much more aggressive to humans than sharks near the coast mm-hmm. because they're, uh, they're less particular about the food. Well, exactly. Yeah. And they're more willing to eat through bone and things like that. <laughs> Whereas coastal sharks are looking for injured or I think it's less fatty or more fatty. I can't remember something that is not quite us. Yeah. So that's what I'd be scared. of. So <laughs> I would say probably they don't like more fatty foods. If they're not interested in human meat, because human meat has more fat to it than Than, seal. Well, I don't know. Seals and such, they're supposed to have lots of blubber. Well, for uh, more Arctic, maybe. I don't know. I ain't no person that knows about marine biology. (laughs) A marine biologist? I ain't. Yeah. I ain't (laughs) one of those guys. Uh, anywho, so my next one is, so they're in the classroom. Dr. Joe's talking about, for some reason, he he says that he's going to talk to his class about the difference between immigration and exodus. And I was like, is that an archaeology topic? I mean, interesting, sure. I mean... And also, he should, shouldn't he also be talking about diaspora? I feel like that's more of a... Yeah, I mean, exodus could be an archaeology thing because during the, the exodus, you would have to follow a pathway and there's possible relics or history through the Jewish exodus. The diaspora. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, sure. But I mean, uh, discussing the difference between immigration and, and exodus seems off topic for uh, archaeology. Now, he, you can discuss the, the trail of someone's exodus or immigration or whatever, and that seems like it would be on topic. But just the difference between those two terms for a whole class seems like that that's more of either a philosophy thing or a political class. Yeah, cause, I mean, even just the word immigration has a more implied uh, self-choice when exodus doesn't always have a self-choice thing. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, but, but so his class is over. Mm-hmm. He slid a note by a blonde sweatshirt. I will be in my office if anybody's got any problems for the next hour and a half. Look at him, look at him, look at him. He, he smiles at some of the ladies going by. Like this, I thought this he was fella. just like smiling at his friend who entered into the room. No, no, no. Watch. I will be in my office if anybody's got any problems for the next hour and a half. Look at that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a little lechy. It's a little lechy. This fella. So, uh, what are we? He's 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 always sleeping with students. Is that what's implied here? That's just his thing. That's his quirk a personality quirk he's always sleeping with students i don't know that that's a personality quirk so much. <laughs> every it's, year it's he's not, sleeping with all his females agreed but i think that's what this movie's trying to say homeboy is always sleeping with his students yeah well sometimes you you gotta 
Sometimes. No. Very often, apparently. <laughs> I was about to make a joke. I was like, no, Allison. With extreme no, no. regularity, yeah, this fella. No. <laughs> well, what was your joke? No, it, that was the, like, just sometimes you got no, it's like, no. <laughs> sometimes, no you you, sometimes you got to sleep with uh, the people who are your students. Yeah, no, no. Never works out for you in the end. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, well, beg to differ. It's worked out for him. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is the scene where they are searching through uh, Shawnee Khan's belongings. The search for the cup of Christ is the search for the divine in all of us. So that was the quote that I heard, and I can't quite parse that in a way that makes sense to me. The search for the grail is the search for the divine in all of us. What does that mean? Uh, the search for the grail is um, the search for the, the part of us that is holy or the, the part of us that is connected to God, if you believe in the religion. He said all of us. Right, but Christians believe that whether or not we accept it or believe it, there is this deity. Right, but he said that the search for it mm-hmm. is the search for the divine in all of us. And that's clearly not true for Mrs. Schnitzel. Or Schneider. What, Schneider. Mm-hmm. Because well, she was searching for it for greedy reasons, and it was not the divine. But he's also living in his idealistic world where anyone who would search for it clearly has this pure motive. Well, I mean, I don't know that even he was that idealistic. I think that well, he the, seemed to there's be... There's also it's, that he, connection that this is a holy mission. It is a holy quest, and therefore... For us to seek it, it is tapping into that holiness. It certainly could be. I don't know. It seemed like he was trying to coin an idiom and like that something that would be universally true for everybody, like some sort of pithy word of wisdom. I love the word pith. <laughs> and uh, it just doesn't quite make sense to me. Like, yeah, some people would search for the, the grail because they want to be closer to God or something like that. But I feel like even most people would want the grail so that they could live longer. <laughs> If you believe so, and that would be a I selfish never, reason. I never knew of the Grail as a means for extended life, except for in this movie. I always thought of it as this holy relic, but I never thought of it in terms of doing any magic. And like, maybe, maybe because this movie's been out for as long as I've been alive, mm-hmm. that's just how I've always seen the Grail. So I just I I wanted to flag that as just something that didn't quite make sense to me. Like, sure, some people are doing it for holy reasons but he's he said all of us which it seems to to have wanted a more generally applicable interpretation that i couldn't find mm. anyway the the setup for this one is that they are now in the library which has been converted from a, an old church mm-hmm. they are looking at clues on the stained glass window and comparing them to the stuff in the diary they found the two numbers mm-hmm. two of the three numbers that were written in the diary and they're looking for the third one they couldn't quite see where it was, like looking everywhere for it. So little Indy Joe goes up the, uh, the spiral staircase to get a better look. Mm-hmm. Looks down back at the stained glass. Oh my God, it's a gigantic X right where I was standing. X marks the spot. And those are clearly painted books. Oh, were they? I didn't even notice. Let me look. So when he's standing on the balcony, there's a bookshelf that has fake books that are just kind of painted on a slab behind him. Oh, sure enough. Yeah, over there, too. Down those. Those look real. No, but behind you. 
those are fake, 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 fake. Like the black. Yeah, those are facades. Those yeah. are, they don't look painted on, but they do look like they're just the spines. Oh, like up here they look super painted, but yeah, like down here it's just. But yeah, like know. it looks like these are just. There's like a black. Some of them are painted, backing. and some of them are like, like glued on yeah. pretend spines. But I was just curious. They were all three standing on top of that big X, looking around everywhere, and none of them looked down. Yeah. <laughs> it's right there I, I was watching it i burst out laughing at that i was like he had to go up some stairs to look right where he was standing yes it's crazy so the other thing about this is you know this is a new marble floor like that there's no way an old floor would have been that preserved hmm, that's a good point so um they had to put a new x over the old x's and so when when doing that, the people doing it must have known about the secret stuff underneath. I wonder if those people were killed. That <laughs> <laughs> the, the so, librarian is stamping and make and right when he makes the big noise smashing the floor. Italian Mark Twain. <laughs> yeah. I am amazed that no one was bothered by this. Like Well, I, I was my 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 thought when I was first watching this was that's a really cute scene with the librarian yeah. thinking he's making that like he's got the power of Thor when he's stamping. <laughs> But why is Thor's hammer? <laughs> you shall be avenged. But why is nobody else here <laughs> upset by the noise? So when they did come into the library, she's like, "The library is closing, but I'll arrange for us to stay later." Uh, uh, Doctor Schneider. Schneider. Okay. Of Hanover. So, okay, so she, I guess, arranged that with the old Mark Twain fell at the the front desk. Yeah, he's so, like, I'm just gonna be hammering these books. <laughs> <laughs> I do love how impressed he seems to be with himself. <laughs> I, you know, I've been working out. I moved from si five weights to seven and a half, and I can tell the difference in my day. Look, I have been stamping books for the past 40 years here. <laughs> I must be really good at it by now. I have unlocked the next level, finally. <laughs> of book stamping. Okay. So, you know, like in games when you're trying to, you know, level up your character or whatever, and you just kind of finally reach that point where it takes forever to reach the next level? Yeah. It, he was in that last 30 years of his librarian career. And he's like, I did it. <laughs> As a former World of Warcraft player, mm -hmm. I feel that very hard. <laughs> <laughs> like getting from level 10 to 30 is nothing. Then getting from 30 to 50 is challenging. And then getting from 50 to 60 takes forever. No, I, I've been playing uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey right now. I've heard that's a very grindy game. Oh my gosh. And like right now I'm just like every time I'm waiting to level up because there are certain quests you can't do or it's not recommended you do until you start hit that certain level. I'm just like, mm -hmm. come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. But overall you think it's a good game? Oh yeah, it, it's beautiful. I'm still considering getting it. I'm intrigued it. by the story. I think you should. I think you or. Come over and play it with us and see if you like it. Just take it for a whirl. I'll take it for a whirl. Now, I'm curious which character you're going to choose to play because there's the, the female character or the male character. And so far, everyone I've known has played the female character. Oh, okay. Well, see, that would be my instinct too, honestly, because I usually play the male characters in these games and mm -hmm. I was thinking about shaking it up. 
And, you know, uh, I am curious what that does to change the story. Because I they, if it does. I, I think it, it must. But they would really have to change the animation and some of the set story parts. So I'm just, I'm curious. So, hmm. yeah, you yeah. can come over and yeah. give it a whirl. I dig it. Uh, so on the topic of libraries. Library. I, I loved libraries when I was young. I used to go, there was a library really near my uh, high school. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would sneak out of high school to go to the library nerd because <laughs> i hate Let's it go to the library we'll have a wild time shall we <laughs> that's an eddie Izzard thing making fun of people like me but i did uh i would i hated high school but i loved going to the library so i'd go to the library and actually when i was even younger i used to write short stories and i didn't really know how one would go about getting things published mm-hmm. So I would take them to the library and I would show them to the librarians, hoping they would just magically know how to do that. And they would be like, this is amazing. I'm going to get it published for you. Oh. It never happened, though. Yeah, they're probably like, great, kid. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, God, he's bringing another one. Yeah, it's lovely. It's, uh, God damn it. I don't want to read this. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's terrible. Meanwhile, uh, good job. one of your books was published and you don't even know about it. This is Flat Stanley. He's a cardboard boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would make me upset. So I will say that when I was younger, they also used to have bookmobiles. And I used to love going to the bookmobile. Bookmobile, eh? What the hell is that? Oh, so it's like an ice cream truck, but with library <laughs> books. <laughs> Sorry, that sounds ridiculous, but go on. No, like it was this big van. It was wall-to-wall <laughs> books. They had limited capacity, so like only a certain amount of kids could go up there. And it was just full of children's section books. And it was from the local library. So if you had a library card, you could just check out your books on the bookmobile and then return them to the library or the next time the bookmobile was in your neighborhood. It sounds awesome, but it's simultaneously ridiculous. Oh, it's like it's, you go up to it like it's an ice cream truck. I'll have one romance, please. Oh, well, it's, so it's like a hollowed out school bus. So like you would walk into it. Oh, so it's like I a see. little bus shop. That's less ridiculous. But I like the ridiculous image that I have in my head of a real ice cream truck <laughs> just plastered with uh, a book sign on I it. I would like tonight <laughs> two scoops of Grapes of Wrath, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a romance and an action, please. And they just give you like two random books in those genres. Yeah. I think that sounds awesome. Yeah. I, you know, and I found some great books through that program. Like um, they were mostly scholastic books, but like... Um, there was one uh, into the land of the unicorns and uh, princess in the pig pen. Like I loved those books when I was princess in the pig pen. Yeah, she accidentally time traveled and landed in a pig pen, and she was. Was tra- there the great pig pen times that she traveled back to? Well, so she was going back to plague time Europe, and so one of the things when she was trying to escape, so she came to our area and she was sick with fever, and they treated her with like like aspirin or something fever reducing and Mm. some other medicine. And I just, she was trying to steal the medicine to take it back to her parents who are also sick with the same affliction. I see. Well, that sounds uplifting. It ended up good. Oh, okay, good. So yes, my next timestamp is we are in a boat chase. Indy and Dr. Schneider have been hunted down by um, Fezd crusaders. We don't know who they are or what they're, after but but we know now that their organization is called <laughs> you swallowed so hard on that <laughs> it was a little dry <laughs> um so it took a little effort it <laughs> <laughs> was like cartoons like <laughs> the brotherhood of the something cross Double cross? 
not double cross. <laughs> the dirty double, double cross. I would never trust anyone from the organization, the Brotherhood of the Double Cross. <laughs> I hope there's an organization out there called that because that's hilarious. Who would trust them? Maybe that's our, our uh, RTR <laughs> their, fans. <laughs> their, their organization slogan is you can trust us. We promise. We promise. <laughs> Nothing nefarious happens here. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> Wink. is in, That's in the slogan. Yeah. Wink. Yeah, you know, like how a lot of organizations of a fraternal order have like a Latin expression. Theirs is whatever the Latin word for wink is. Uh, <laughs> Reliable. Wink. wink. <laughs> That's great. Uh, they're called the Brotherhood of the Cruciform Sword. Yeah, what I said. Yes. The Dirty <laughs> Devil Cross. So, um, <laughs> I forgot what I was doing. So, um, they're on a boat uh, trying to escape them. Uh, they have just escaped a catacomb and gotten a rubbed etching of a shield that helps give the location of the Holy Grail. Dr. Schneider and Dr. Jones are on a boat trying to escape them. And this is where my, my note is, always be clear about when you're shouting orders, especially when driving a boat. He's, he's just punching him yeah, he's instead punching of throwing him off. Our pinstriped fellow. Fezzed fellow. Between them, are you crazy? <laughs> and that, that was just, just a, like, this was very slapstick yeah. comedy to me. There and are a I bunch just, of good slapstick moments in this movie. But for some reason, in this one, it's endearing. And in the last one, it made me want to punch things. Oh, sure, yeah. This one was much more well handled. So this actress is actually not the first actress they tapped for the role. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, the, the first actress that they picked really hasn't done a lot of commercially successful films, uh-huh. but she had to back out because of her extreme phobia of rats. Oh, you know what? I did read that. Do you know who it was? I forget her name, but I can uh, pull it, it up matter. probably. So. Nah, it doesn't yeah. matter. So no, it was just funny. The, go between them? Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what I said. Don't go between them. <laughs> All right, I'm going between them. <laughs> All right, so the the boat the the boat pursuing Indy Joe and Lady. I actually I always forget her name. In my notes, she's just called Lady. 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 So uh, Indy Joe and Lady have made it from between the two large boats, and the boat pursuing is behind them and. 90s explosion. (laughs) Their boat was just made of TNT. Surprisingly did no damage to the giant big vessels. Ah, they didn't care. So where, I want to know where this SMG gun came from. Because he was just running around not with an SMG. Mm -hmm. Was it in his jacket? Maybe someone threw it to him from the side. Maybe it was in this boat. Maybe <laughs> the, With the gentleman, very, very heavily armed gentleman of leisure. Like, exactly. <laughs> you know, a gentleman of leisure going out on a boat doesn't know what he may encounter. May as well keep an SMG on hand. S- sounds plausible to me. <laughs> now, I cannot get over the fact that once I saw him as Sasha Baron Cohen, he was Sasha Baron Cohen for the rest of the film. Oh, see, you know, I didn't think of it. Oh, my God. Did you see the, the way Indy Joe violently grabbed her head? Yeah. Yeah. Looked a little suggestive there, too, as well. Yeah. So yeah, just But he does look Sasha Baron Cohen like, doesn't he? Extremely. <laughs> like not not even subtly. Like that that could be his uncle. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sasha Baron uncle. Yeah. Uh this propeller scene where he's gonna the, the boat's gonna start getting chopped up, I actually thought was great. Mm-hmm. The, fantastic practical effect. And I just I love, don't know how they did it. 
And I love the line, my soul's prepared. Is yours. Yeah, it was very nice. The way he's delivered that line sounded like a uh, family guy making fun of him. Like, where's my family? <laughs> Give me back my family. <laughs> Look at that. I mean, the, the propeller is actually eating up the, the wood. Yeah. I mean, it's it's obviously weak wood that was designed to break like this, but still very good. And uh, that also reminded me of the moment in Star Wars where it's like, you're going to die out there before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. <laughs> I feel like you should have said that. Yeah, no, I just love this one little line. Like, he's so calm. Yep. Like, I would be, like, soiling my trousers. Absolutely. And also later when uh, they go up to the dock mm -hmm. and this dude gets out, they're both kind of cool with each other. Yeah, he's like, just let me off here. <laughs> uh, so That was so weird for me. Also, her boating skills, she just piloted around that. She Propeller. Yeah, she aimed at the propeller and then turned away from it at the last moment. Mm -hmm. Very, very bold smooth move. And smooth. Very smooth. All right, so now they're jetting away from the danger. They're about to deliver Sasha Baron Cohen to the dock. Sasha Baron Cohen. All right, we're going to get the big tattoo reveal. That's slightly different than the Templar logo, right? Um, I will look up the Templar logo. I also wonder if I'm ever like under investigation for anything, they look up my searches. What are they going to get an impression? <laughs> She's uh, into multiple conspiracies of Templaring. Yeah, very different. Yeah. So the the Templar logo like very much just looks like a cross. And I wonder if this organization of the, the Brotherhood of the Swither Slithering Storm is double uh, cross. The, the Dirty <laughs> Double Cross is actually a real organization, or if they just made that up for the movie. <laughs> another Googleable. Yeah, really. This has been another episode of Allison Googles. <laughs> <laughs> I was able to chop most of that out from the the previous episodes, but brotherhood of. I just feel like for the fun of it, I'm going to leave this one in. So the the brotherhood. What was the full title again? I'm sorry. Uh, the uh, the Cameron Diaz, the Cruciform Sword. It's a secret religious cult that protects the Holy Grail. No real secret religious cult exists by that name that we know of. That they will admit to. And if we knew their name, they wouldn't be very secret, says the website. <laughs> <I just found. laughs> All right, so they're a fictional thing made up by Georgie Lou and Stevie Spielbs. As far as we know. As far as we know. Wink, wink. Maybe they came up with it. <laughs> or they are the Brotherhood of the Double Cross. And <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, so here we go. They're about to part ways. Why do you seek the cup of Christ? Is it for his glory? Or yours? His necktie is just a necktie. He's not wearing anything under his suit jacket. <laughs> but he has cufflinks. So that leads me to believe. He's selectively fancy. Yeah. Alright, so they smile at each other and then they just part ways. They were both trying to kill each other. And who the hell is this guy? Just a fella. The docking guy. Just a fella there. Just a fella. Yeah. He's a very fancy homeless man. But doesn't that seem weird that they were both trying to kill each other not moments ago and then they're just like, all right, well, take care. <laughs> See ya. TTFN. Ta-ta for now. <laughs> 
I, I've titled this just basically, here is a flash of some of those bad indie behaviors towards women. And it feels like another rush to establish romance. But who knows, maybe a near-death experience is also that makes something that people go libido crazy. I have comments on that as well. But also, so Indie Joe, they're back at their apartments. Mm-hmm. And they've noticed that all the rooms are in disarray. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Like the, the, It was supposed to have happened while they were there, right? While they were in the water fight? No. Oh, oh no. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it would have happened while she was in the shower. Right. So yeah. how, how did she, nobody hear this happen? You know, I don't know how you take showers, but like I crank you, my You feet. yell a lot and yeah, stomp your I feet? Just, yeah, I, I have an entire rock show in my shower. <laughs> so I could be completely burgled. Well, Actually, I have trouble closing my eyes while showering because I'm worried about like, you know, a psycho situation. Really? so like i i really quickly will do things like wash my face because i'm like i i want to be able to open my eyes now you're such a paranoid person well it's like that is you won't put your feet on the ground when you get into bed yeah because it's dark and anything could grab your ankles this is kind of a similar thing when you're in the shower you're in a very vulnerable state you gotta you gotta stay on guard i feel bad like if anyone like ever is like hey allison i'm just reaching in can you hand me my shampoo or something and like punch them in the face like yeah, they're clearly uh, some sort of double agent, not really your friend. They're part of the uh, brotherhood of double. <laughs> Although, why would a friend be reaching in the shower while you're in there? I mean, lady friends will like, like, oh, uh, I accidentally left my face wash in there while you hand it to me kind of thing. Like, they're, they're not like sticking their whole head in like, hi. But <laughs> <they're just> like, <laughs> that would be odd. Um, but I also haven't had, you know, just random friends over while I'm showering, you know. Not in these COVID times. Yeah. Also, since I don't have roommates anymore, I just have Mark. That's true. Now, the cat will sometimes, you know, jump on the corner and be like, are, are you in danger? Do you need help? Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. So the, the cat looks in on you while you shower? Yeah, it's creepy. I don't like it. That's odd. Yeah. I, I've, she, I have to keep the door partly cracked because she also rips up the carpet if she can't <laughs> find me. So she's like, are you in there? Better dig you out. Bungie started to do that. He's He started to scratch the upper stair up there for it, no good reason. It's a separation anxiety thing usually. Huh. I don't like it. Yeah. Anyway, so I th- I just found it odd that nobody could hear, like even Indy Joe, when he's in the other room, his yeah. room is all messed up he's too. He's like, my room is like this too. Yeah. yeah. So why did nobody hear this happen? They, they've broken things and thrown things all over the place. They, they're really looking for, for something. Upset chairs. Well, who upset the chairs? I don't know yet. We'll find out, won't we? Can they be comforted? Um, also, that's I see not- an Afghan, but I don't see a comforter. <laughs> I like her robe. It's I like that he just barged in on her in the bathroom. It didn't like <laughs> this guy. She could have been Nikki Town. Yeah, he doesn't know. He was hoping. I love her hair. Like her whole look is really pretty. Ooh. I think. Mine too. What were they looking for? It doesn't matter. Let's get down to business. <laughs> you had. You didn't trust me. I didn't know you. At least I'd let you tag along. Oh, yes. Give them a flower and they'll follow you anywhere. Knock it off. You're <laughs> mad. No? No. You like the way I do things. It's lucky I don't do things the same way. You'd still be standing at the Venice Pier. What do you think is going on here? Since I met you, I've nearly been incinerated, drowned, shot at, and chopped into fish bait. We're caught in the middle. Hey, I'm with him emotionally right now. His dad found out more than he was looking for. I'm with him. Until I'm sure 
I'm going to continue to do things the way I think they should be done. And then forcibly shoves her face into his face. Yeah. That is so rapey. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, I have, I have no idea. Stevie Spielbs, what's up? He's still not over his thing with women. <laughs> yeah, this movie was not nearly as bad as the last one, but there was this moment. I mean, he chokes her later, which I can more understand because she's a Nazi. Yeah. But... This what uh, he what? Yeah. It, it this was like my whole note was like it's like they're still trying to force some sort of relationship between the two of them. However, very different end result with this relationship though is you know the fact that she has been shared now between both Jones men. I thought that was hilarious. Oh yeah, especially when she's complimenting <laughs> one and the other's like, well. <laughs> That made me laugh so much when she's like, I really enjoyed it. And then I she's obviously it was rather nice too. <laughs> she was obviously talking to Indy. Yeah. And then the sh- but the shot is on Sean Connery. Yeah. And he's like, Well, I enjoyed it too. <laughs> it was so adorable. Uh-huh. So adorable. Well, you know, Sean Connery's used to being the, the leading man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It almost felt like a nod to the fact that he's but, kind of handing off the yeah. to uh, uh Harry Ford. Anyway, so did I have anything else to uh, hate here? Oh, it kind of reminded me of the line from uh, It's a Wonderful Life where uh, Jimmy Stewart grabs the lady and he goes, (laughs) he like shakes her all around. He's like, I want to do what I want to do. I I just, I just, oh, Mary. And then like shoves her face into his face. (laughs) So weird. Uh, the way you just described it's a wonderful life like it makes it feel like a completely different movie that i missed yeah it's a bit rapey there and uh they've got the like the house slave servant lady who is kind of like she's happy about her situation and everything and it's just kind of weird yeah yeah boy oh boy yeah boy Anyway, uh, so let's uh, go to the next thing, unless you've got more to talk about this disgusting display of aggressive kissing. I don't have a timestamp for this moment, Mm -hmm. because it's not really a moment, it's moments all throughout the series of Indiana Jones. When he whips, like... And then he nannies? No. (laughs) Never again. (laughs) That song is stupid, and... <laughs> it's it's such like it's an obvious thing of trying to coin a thing just to enter the zeitgeist and people actually allowed it to happen and how I dare just, you you the people <laughs> you, you allowed this travesty of linguistics to happen anyway when he when he whips like a chandelier or something and then you know swings how does he get it to release from the chandelier or from the branch or whatever he's whipping i don't know how does he not just go through a million whips like when he whips it to attach, like he's, he, he's he lost that whip. He seems to know how to tug it to like, for, <laughs> for I don't know, man. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I, I would say I don't know enough about whip logic to how that would make sense, but I I've never seen any other no, I, whip, I, whipping person use it, except for uh, Catwoman, Holly Berry Catwoman specifically. And that movie is just, you know, not realistic for a million reasons. So I think the real answer is here. Every time he whips something to attach to, to something like that, he, he loses that whip. whip. <laughs> he loses that whip and he just has to get another one. He has an arsenal of whips just yeah. in his satchel. He's not Spider-Man. He can't just go whoosh, swing for a bit, detach, whoosh, swing for a bit, detach. 
Yeah, I I wonder if there's some like you know um, science behind it. Like if nah. we look up MythBusters, if they ever did a, can Indiana Jones really do these whippy things? Well, I think because what's what is attaching? He's not like nodding it or something. What's it's happening is around. it wraps around itself, and then the pressure applied by him, his body weight causes enough tension there that it won't release so to get it to release he needs to stop the tension and he can't do that while he's still holding on to it just hang on like throw it around (laughs) throw it around while he drops away from it and is then too far away from it yeah Yeah. so i think it uh, doesn't make any sense but it's all right we'll look up the the whip whip logic (laughs) indiana jones whip logic Mythbusters, tell us if it's true all right uh so what was your timestamp so we have entered a estate in Austria trying to look for Dr. Jones Sr. And we have uncovered a Nazi war room while they're overlooking a map, taking notes, and looks like deciphering things, but clearly a Nazi war room. Tinkling bell in the background. A Nazi bell. That's a good line. Yeah, that that was literally the only, I was like, that is the correct approach to have. Like, you know, I, I kind of wish that any politician right now would just be willing to say that line. Uh, or a particular one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> that is, it's a good line. It It's almost trite, yeah. but kind of adorably so. Like, oh, these guys again, I hate Nazis. Yeah. Well, because like at this point in, you know, the world wars and uh, like, I don't think we appropriately hated Nazis in the right way quite yet. Like we yeah. just like This them. is still the thirties. Yeah. Yeah. So it's before we knew of all the full atrocities. So yeah, hate them. Sure. But like probably not the same level we do looking back at the the full revilement. Yeah, it's it's not complete revilement yet. Yeah. So like, but it was just the way he delivered that line. It was just <laughs> it was so good. so simple. Yeah. Just, agreed. Agreed. Nazis. <laughs> I hate these guys. <laughs> Yuck. Nazis. It's like you know. <laughs> I stepped in Nazi. Ew. No, it sticks to your yeah, shoe. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a do you have a twig or something I can get this just, Nazi out? I mean, and even if I get most of it out, some of it's I still stay smell in. the Nazi stink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my next one is 55. This is just uh, Sala returning. Oh, Sala. And I have a question for you. Okay. You got a little chubby. Excuse me? Sala, you got a little chubby. Oh, I thought you asked if I'd got. Okay, never mind. No, that would be horrible. <laughs> like he just got a little from the last movie. Maybe. Hey. I love him so much. I know. He's so jovial. Look at him. But where is Indy? All right. Look, he's got two briefcases. Well, one's a briefcase and one is kind of like a doctor satchel. Like he's got. And I wanted to ask you, do you think he's got mechanic supplies in the big satchel? No, I, I think he probably has some documents and he probably has some archaeologist tools like a brush and on like one of those little chisels. But he's in the uh, the car mechanic game. So, so maybe because he owns Otto's mechanic, right? <laughs> oh, Sala! I thought you were talking about. Sorry. No, no. Yeah, Sala has got yeah. the two briefcases. One is the uh, a briefcase. One is kind of a bigger kind of satchel full of things. And I presume it's me- mechanic equipment. I mean, it could be. He seems like he's the type of guy that would have a tool for every occasion. And a shop for any situation. A shop for any need, or and, a shop and, face for any need. And he owns all the villagers in the whole city, just in case 
someone needs to make an escape somewhere into one of his ice cream shops or haberdasheries or <laughs> mechanics. How beloved do you have to be to get an entire town to help you on whatever exploit or escapade? <laughs> like, like, oh, Sala's here. It's going to ask us to do weird things like wait for a truck. Or, possibly. or throw our kids at some, some weird white guy and, you know, help escort him out of an establishment. <laughs> I know. What is that? That's kind of some weird. We didn't explore that. That's some weird allow, you allowing your kids to come into harm's way like that just to you, protect you are working on the assumption that that person is not a complete horrible horrible person that would assassinate a child and he said the next time the, the kids wouldn't protect him yeah so yeah everybody gets one everybody gets one and uh sala <laughs> took the the chance that they would get one i have nine kids currently I used to have 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he plays uh, dice with them. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. So you assume he's got uh, mechanic stuff in there. Or or random tools that might be useful. Now, one thing I do say is that I will say that I like about this scene is just his like, la, 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 here's the paper. Yeah, of course, paper, run. La, la, la. <laughs> and the guy's like just nodding his thoughts. I, I thought that was weird too. Like he run? keeps run. Yes, of course. Yes, why not? <laughs> run, will you run? <laughs> Run! <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> Run! So I think one of those briefcases is his. So when he bowed to him just there, this guy in the black uh, he also suit clicked and the hat, his heels. Was it the heels? Because yeah. he like bent forward, and it looked like his hat brim hit the other guy's hat brim, and I thought the noise might have been their hats kissing. Oh no! If you look at the the lowering part of him, that's in the freeze. It, it's kind of hard to see, but you can like that. That's definitely a Nazi thing to do. Is like the heel click. Ah, uh, as you goose step. Yeah. The director of the Museum of Antiquities has sent a car for you. Oh. <laughs> I will say that their Germans have gotten better. I'm his. Yes. Follow me, please. My reputation precedes me. There is no museum in this Kenderland. Papers, please. Papers. Of course. <laughs> run. <Yes. laughs> That's one run order. Yes. Two. Just reading it myself. <laughs> run. Three. Yes. yes. Egyptian mail. Morning edition. Uh, run. Did you say... Uh, <laughs> 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 so I just... I love that so much. Will you just run? And he's still not running. <laughs> and every time he said run, he was like, yes. <laughs> Part of me wonders if he ad-libbed any of that scene. <laughs> I know. I didn't see anything in the trivia about ad-libs, but I bet that was still the case. So one thing I wonder, so above that shop front, it said, is Kinder Run? Um, I want to look that up to see Whoa. like, if you break up those words, if that means anything. Kinder, kid. But it, it's not spelled like child. It's, uh, I, uh, is Ken Darian or is... Oh, okay. So I just noticed the emblem on the back of the truck that's driving away. It's a swastika and a, a palm, palm tree. tree. Yeah. That's a very odd symbol. Yeah. I don't as I don't associate Nazis with tropical climates. No, no. Because <laughs> Have if you've you ever, ever seen, seen a, a German <laughs> in the sun, like they, they tend to burn. A Nazi on a beach? <laughs> it just is a weird image. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like seeing a Dementor on a beach or like, yeah, like a uh, ring wraith on a beach. Yeah. Just doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a ring with them on vacation, drinking a Mai Tai. Look, stop talking to me. I understand I upset people, but I am on vacation. I'm not here to eat your soul. I'm not a Death Eater <laughs> on my vacations. <laughs> Anywho. Why is a motorcycle jousting a thing? It's totally cool, right? <laughs> uh, so, okay, I think... 
Alam. It's <laughs> such a weird thing. Like I just like she's like smiling and nodding and she's just very much like um unibrow and oh, Frau Farbidna. Yeah. Alam. <laughs> Lower the globes. <laughs> It was just like calm, smiling, nodding, like, la, la, la. <laughs> and I didn't realize that alarm was a German word. Yeah, I know. I didn't think so either until I heard that. So I wanted to talk about some things that are weighing heavy on my mind. Go on. So uh, when Indy finds Lady at the Nazi rally, all I have to do is squeeze. All I have to do is scream. It's a good exchange, actually. I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of torn with this because she's kind of a Nazi. So I, uh, I'm not upset when Nazis die, but I don't know. It, it was kind of the personal, it was personal a little bit. She's not a, what I would consider a true Nazi. I don't yeah. think she has the same belief system as the third Reich, but she understands <laughs> that she needs to be with them to be successful in her own personal missions Yeah, because they are the power of that area. Like she was the power that she could align herself with to fulfill her ends. Yeah. So yeah, her not being a full Nazi. I don't know. I was kind of torn with how he handled the situation. And right now, he doesn't know, like, the full extent of her character. Like, he just knows her as a double-crosser. She's part of that brotherhood. So, yeah, it, in this scene, you know, you did see her get emotional at the burning of books and just... Because she's, she's a historian and a scientist kind of first and then a Nazi second. Where is it? How did you get here? Where is it? I want it. I thought he was going to rummage through her boobs again like he did with What's Her Face in the Well, it's not an antidote. That wasn't an (laughs) antidotal groping. My father didn't want it incinerated. Is that what you think of me? I believe in the grail, not the swastika. And also, her logic there, she's kind of trying to defend her character like, hey, I'm not into Nazis, you know, or or I'm not into burning books and stuff like that, but I'll go along with Nazis. And (laughs) like, how how is, I don't even understand that. As a defense. She doesn't really have one, but... I don't like to burn books, but I'll associate myself with an organization doing that and worse. Because it serves my purpose. I'm a, I'm a horrible person, but I'm not a Nazi. Yeah, but why why does she align herself with the Nazis at all? If she wants the Holy Grail, then work with Indy. She thinks she's on the winning, the party that's going to win. But the party that is going to win needs Indy. So just go with Indy. Well, she tried to go with Indy 1, and then he got rid of the book. But Indy 1, Indy Sr. didn't trust her. Yeah, that's why they had to call in Indy 2. Papa Indy in the sequel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but okay, so I, I'm not saying she has to be romantic with him. I'm saying why doesn't she, because the, the Nazis and everybody needs his expertise and he's the one that needs to, ends up doing it anyway. Why doesn't she just go with him instead of being with the Nazis and secondarily going with him or indirectly going with him anyway? She felt safer with the Nazis, which is a weird sentence. It's a weird sentence and I don't, I don't understand why that would be the case. They have guns and funds that the guns, guns and funds. That's the Nazi slogan. <laughs> We've got guns and funds. <laughs> so yeah, it just it seems like the Third Reich had a farther reach, and uh, the Jones father son duo just happened to have the knowledge, but they could manipulate them more easily than just getting them aligned with Nazis. It's easier to force them to work for the Nazis than join the Third Reich. She wouldn't need them to join the Third Reich if she just traveled with them as they were going to get the Grail. 
But she was also hired by the... We don't know the full extent of her relationship and the guy who hired them for the quest. Well, it's at least the way it seemed to me was that she wasn't in it for trying to help out any political party or anything like that. She just wanted to get the grail. Do you think it was for altruistic reasons or for greedy reasons? Greed. So she can put her name on the fact that it was found. Like, we don't know her inherent reasons for finding it. We just know that she... Is some sort of historian. And right. And she wants to make a name for herself, perhaps? Maybe. Like, it, we never get to know that extent of her. But she could do that with Indy. And if she's going to double cross anyone, double cross the Nazis and whoever that guy is, go with Indy, and then you'll get your name in all the papers because you're going to be one of the people that found the Holy Grail. Yeah. It's, I just, I wish we knew more about her and her history because then we could find out why she has aligned herself. Uh-oh. Allison didn't put her thing on Do Not Disturb. Oopsies. I take it as a... <laughs> oh, Allison. <laughs> that, I think that was creepy because it was almost like just a fraction of a second on the line. <laughs> up to be counted with the enemy of everything that the Grail stands for. Who gives a damn what you think? See, and I thought that was great. All I have to do is See, I thought, I thought, uh, who gives a damn what you think? I thought that was righteous anger, really well delivered. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and like and chokes her, and I don't know. That just it seemed wrong. Yeah, it's just, uh, for him. All I have to do is scream. So uh, there, he has the the book, and a crowd of people are pushing. Uh, Indy and his father forward. Um, there's the parade, and there is Schittler just autographing books. And Indy is forced right next to Hitler, and he's holding up the book. <laughs> and so, I think really smart acts like he is a starstruck general, like just like fanboying over Schittler. And and and, and Hitler, Hitler takes it in, in stride. I th- was so shocked. I was not expecting to see Indiana Jones come nose to nose with Adolf Hitler. Oh yeah, and just like <laughs> just watch the subtle change right here with Bruce uh, Bruce Willis not in this movie. <clears throat> Bruce Banner. Yeah, <laughs> Harrison Ford. Like you can see, like he shocked himself to see yeah. Hitler, and then suddenly just changes that shock to like. Adoration, like like yeah. you could tell, he's kind of playing into it a little bit. Like there's the stare off, like. So he's like, like look at the the face. Yeah. It's very subtle. Like he's like almost trying to impress his fear. Mm-hmm. And then he gets an autograph from Adolf. <laughs> 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 and his signature is kind of childish looking. And I like that he also doesn't really look at anything else in the book. And also, how inappropriate would it be for a war general? Because he looks like he is a proper general in yeah. that scene. How inappropriate is it for him to like treat him as like a celebrity kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. But I guess everyone was kind of fanboying out on Adolf right there. My next one is they have escaped Hitler's party and are now in line at an airfield and have boarded a blimp. One of the Nazi generals has approached uh, Dr. Jones Sr. And Indy is approaching, looking like he is one of the flight stewards of this blimp. Would you go on a blimp? Probably not. I don't think there's a lot of blimps in use right now. Good year. But that's not like a public service. Like You don't know. 
I also wouldn't be a hot air balloon. Uh, that's not for me. Yeah, I don't know if I'd do a hot air balloon. Maybe. But uh, I feel like this movie made me kind of want to be in a blimp. It just looks homey. <laughs> well, the way they make it look, it looks really fancy. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. All right, here we go. Tickets, please. Boss. <laughs> he punches the soldier and throws him off of the blimp onto the luggage below. No ticket. And then all the rage-looking people are panically <laughs> getting their tickets out. I thought that was hilarious because, like, he would do that to an old lady, yeah. <laughs> but the old lady's <laughs> scared. Oh, gosh. I just love that scene so much. Like, that line is very iconic. Yeah. It's like bad dates. <laughs> no <Nope>. tickets. <laughs> right here is there's a really good interaction between father and son and kind of recollecting their relationship. Also, it's even more funny realizing that they're both pantsless in this scene. Yep. And I also like that they are uh, talking about being wiener cousins. <laughs> Wiener cousins is not an expression I'm familiar with. Yeah, but I think it came from Scrubs, but I've heard other people say it. And I like it when you share a partner with someone. Yeah, wiener your wiener cousins. cousins. So yeah, the, I just like this kind of interaction between father and son as they recollect on each of their opinions of how they were as a father and son in their relationship. Yeah, it, it's kind of I want to say for Indy this cathartic moment where he's finally at this table with his father as an equal. And able to say, I didn't grow up in a normal way and I didn't have a relationship with you. And like, it's very humanizing. Absolutely. And I'm a sucker for father son dynamics in movies, Mm -hmm. especially when they seem to be dysfunctional and they're, they're coming to grips. For some reason, I've always, it's always spoken to me. Don't know why. Ships that pass in the night. That was his way of talking about being a wiener cousin with his son. I like that. That's that's not really the father's prerogative to say. You can't claim that for yourself. You have to have other people say it of you. So I, I will say that something that was said to me once and has always kind of stuck with me is when you look back on how you were raised, you'll look back thinking of certain experiences and you'll ask yourself this question. Did this interaction happen because of ill intent or were they doing the best they could with the information that they had? Were they trying to give you the best experience that they understood how to give you or the best tutelage or the best parenting? So even in situations where we fail, like we've had a misconnection with our parents or a missed opportunity or a misunderstanding, when you look back and reflect on that moment, was that an act of malice or were they just doing the best that they understood with the tools that they had to do? And well, and not necessarily just malice, but maybe mm-hmm. neglect yeah. because they're so wrapped up in their own stuff. Yeah. You know. So in this case, when he is talking to his son, Indiana, he's saying, you know, I never made you finish your food. I never told you to wash behind your ears. I gave you freedom. And 
Indy's reflecting, yes, you did those things, but what I wanted was X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. but they had that miscommunication. I think this is just a beautiful moment where they're sharing, I thought I was doing right by you because I was giving you this freedom. And if I were Indy, I would also be curious if that was an intentional giving me of my freedom or were you just ignoring me? Because mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't care about me. Because he even says in a bit, by the time you were interesting, you had left. Yeah. So he wasn't interesting, and that's why he was giving him his tech, giving him his freedom, but really just ignoring him. Yeah. Did I ever tell you to eat up, go to bed, wash your ears, do your homework? No, I respected your privacy, <laughs> and I taught you self-reliance. Reliance on a shelf? <laughs> was that I was less important to you than people who'd been dead for 500 years in another country, and I learned it so well that we've hardly spoken for 20 years. You left just when you were becoming interesting. Mm. Dad, how I'm here now. What do you want to talk about? Hmm? <laughs> Presented with that question in that face, I don't know that I would have an answer either. I can't either. think of anything. Then what are you complaining about? <laughs> Like we have work to do. And He's got such a charming hands. smile. Yeah. He, his smile coming like as he was edging his chair around like that was so adorable. <laughs> so one movie that I'm going to have you watch. Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Seen it? it no. Okay. This is one of his first movies. Sean Connery's first movies. Ah, okay. I can reflect back on it now and already tell you that it is horribly racist and offensive. Yeah. <laughs> What's um, it called? Darby O'Gill and the Little People. <laughs> all right <laughs> it is one of my favorite movies from when i was a kid that uh-huh. you know there's there was a huge gap period between when i had seen it and seeing it again as an adult mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of it that i still adore but i also am like ooh, oh boy oh boy there's a lot of drinking and racism set in ireland and <laughs> Uh, this is full of bad stereotypes uh and it was set in ireland not scotty land yeah he was playing an irishman it's a betrayal it's a betrayal of our people but it was made by disney so i think disney's like eh, close enough oh scottish irish i don't care whatever shoot it there at least they're not welsh (laughs) you think disney has a racist racism against the welsh yeah all right no i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i kind of hope that's true that's hilarious So I just, I loved that interaction. And although it did make me more uncomfortable knowing that he was scooting over with this happy grin. And his pants pants. off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty great. All right. So the the setup for this scene is that they're being chased by a fancy plane. They're on, in a car, driving away, about to fly in a tunnel. And, you know, in Star Wars, when they go through like an asteroid field or something like that, Han Solo flying through the, the asteroid field, but only he can do it so well. And the uh, TIE fighters that are following behind are like smacking into the sides and stuff like that. And then he'll go through like a small gap and they'll try to follow and they're just not, they're too big. And so they explode. Mm-hmm. So it felt like that kind of situation here where they go into a tunnel and for some reason the airplane thinks that it can go in a tunnel also. I think they just couldn't stop in time. However, my favorite well, the, part Then of that- you're a horrible pilot. You're going toward the ground, <laughs> and there's a big hill, mountain cliff in front of you. 
maybe they uh, really quickly got out of their car and painted it bigger, like, uh, you know, Wiley Coyote. <laughs> yeah, the Looney Tunes? <laughs> yeah. All right. But I think my favorite part of that scene was the pilot, you know, well, is he- in his de-winged plane. <laughs> yeah. And he's just, he looks over to the right and looks at him. Yeah. <laughs> like, All right, so here. The plane just flies right into the tunnel and by some magic momentum doesn't uh-huh. slow down. No, he just so his, his wings have popped neighbor. <laughs> his wings have popped off and have caught on fire somehow. The, I guess the gas is stored in the wings. Uh, that seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> so this plane that's on fire is just magically catching up to the car. Yeah. And comes by. <laughs> the pilot just, looks into the car. I don't I don't know what wh- why. Like <laughs> is he saying help me or is he like I'm still going to get you? Maybe he's equally perplexed. Yeah, am, I, I, am, am I already dead? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was an odd look coming from the guy. Like I, I really don't know what he's. What? Uh, so, have you ever been like driving down a highway and you pass someone who's going oddly slow, and you just are like, "Are you old? Like I'm gonna check you out to see if you're old." Like look at the passenger on the right. Like <laughs> it's honestly like, what information did he want to get from looking in? Yeah. I'd be if I were him, I'd be freaking out, like looking ahead of me, like, oh god, am I gonna hit something else? How help, do I hit help, the brakes? Help! help. <laughs> like, sure, does his plane not have wheels and he, brakes? He didn't. Well, actually, no. He was in the type of plane that has wheels just permanently down, not right. like the the kind of plane that. So we did, we, we didn't address that because it's not on wheels right now. It's scraping along the hull. He landed funny, and it just took off the wings and the wheels. Maybe the wheels are attached to the wings. I don't think that was ever a design because that's really bad. Well, neither is fuel in the wing. Well, there you go. (laughs) Anyway, so he just passed by the car and... Explodes. Prompted by nothing. Explodes. There was an ant carrying a uh, sunflower seed. Oh, was it one of those gigantic poison ants from Indiana Jones 4? Yes. It's the hook. (laughs) Uh Aha. I gotcha. All right. So anyway, he explodes by hitting an ant. Dead ant. Dead ant. And they just drive through the wreckage. And then the after, other plane. After stealing that car, by the way, from this like poor little guy who's just changing the tire out. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. So anyway, there was another plane that was part of the scene earlier that we haven't heard from in a while. Mm-hmm. Had himself positioned perfectly to drop a little Don't bomb. Come any closer than that. <laughs> right in front of them <laughs> so that they could drive into the hole, the, the crater created by it. Now they're on hollowed ground. All right. Now <laughs> you've 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 gone too far. Usually it happens at some point during my <laughs> interaction. It's coming back. We we can just continue on into the scene where Sean Connery inspires bird strike. <laughs> I love when the I can inspiration do it. hits them. <laughs> I know. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> He's just stirring up all the seagulls. Did you know he spoke seagull? I didn't. Mine, mine, mine. Mine, mine. Mine. And uh, that's Poor a real birds. thing. It's called bird strike. Mm. So this uh, plane crashing into the land right there looked very realistic. The, the the plane crashing in Temple of Doom. Not so much. Terrible. Yeah. Awful. 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 So, to set up this scene, mm-hmm. Indy Joe and Co. are observing the Nazis from atop a hill. Uh-huh. 
This time, it's the Nazis who have a rocket launcher instead of Indy. Mm. So, firstly, he's looking at him with binox. Meddling with powers you cannot possibly comprehend. Sound a little Alec Guinness there. Alright, so he's looking at him with Binox from atop the hill. I see Brody. Seems okay. And once we actually see them from up here, the camera not looking through the binoculars. Mm -hmm. They're totally in range of sight. Six pound gun. Look, they could totally see him from up there. Yeah. You can see them both in the same shot. Uh, now, I don't know if TVs being lower resolution back when this was made, maybe it looked more obscure than that, but they could totally see him from there. They can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my binoculars. There's no way they could see me. I can barely see them. You need glasses. <laughs> <laughs> he does actually need glasses, but he never wears them when he's out in the field like this. Yeah. He wears his contacts as much better. When he puts on his professor outfit, he puts his glasses on. Mm -hmm. But I guess he doesn't need them the rest of the time. It's part of the ensemble. Exactly. He's a hipster. So <laughs> <laughs> they're about to fire the rocket launcher at him. And they sit on the wrong side. So the rocket launcher is... Look at, look at the scene. So the rocket is coming from us, from our side, from viewer perspective, toward them. And they hide from it on that side of the rock. Maybe they see it, like, angled too high. Do you think that they knew exactly the trajectory? No. I mean, rockets aren't actually all that accurate, so it could have gone anywhere. <laughs> and uh, they chose to get on that side of the rocket. Why? I mean, it's obvious because th that car is about to explode, and as actors, they need to be undercover. Yeah. I mean, but it's it, possible it's that... Yeah, I, I think maybe the visual made them think that the rocket was aiming more for the car than for them. I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's reasonable for if you were actually in the universe, this is real. It would have been reasonable to get behind the rocks because mm. you don't know where it's going to go. It looks like it's heading right for you. Get behind the rock just it's in case. It's heading right for us. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, uh, to me, that looks so silly. <laughs> you ever seen the movie rubber? Yeah. Silly movie. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminded me of that. Anyway, very strange that they would be on that side of the rocks. Like, mm. they, they came from the other side of the rocks, which would have protected them from the rocket, and put themselves on the other side, facing the rocket. Yeah, I, I bought it enough to where I was accepting what was happening. All right, setting up the scene. Uh, Dr. Indy Joe and the German went off the edge of the cliff in the tank. The rest of the party think that... Indy Joe is dead. The tank was rolling. And uh, Sean Connors is having a little moment because he's sad that his son just died mm -hmm. and uh, is trying to reckon with all the unspoken feelings. Man feelings. He could be okay still. God. I've lost him. And I never told him anything. I just wasn't ready, Marcus. Five minutes would have been enough. <laughs> Got Indy Joe climbing, climbing up a little vine or something here. 
brute. He's, he's struggling mightily over there, and nobody's looking at him. Do you mind? I'm grieving here. <laughs> Shut up, Indy. I'm grieving your death. And then Indy just looks over, because everyone's looking down. <laughs> and Indy starts looking quizzically down there, too, wondering what he's missed. Yeah, so anyway, then the uh, then Sean Connors realizes that he's alive. I thought I'd lost you, boy. Uh, I just thought that was... It was a lovely moment and funny. It was, it was well handled. No, oh, it was cute, touching. I love Sala. He's trying to put two and two together. <laughs> it's a bunch of old academics. Is he gonna say? Well done. Come on. And just drops him and walks away instead of uh, instead of. Revealing his feelings. Why are you sitting there resting? We were so near the end. Come on, let's go. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a man moment right there. And they got his hat back. Realizing all the things that you should have said and then realizing you now can and neglecting to do it again. Yeah. Well, there's no time now. Now we have to get to the crows and move. I don't have to mourn anymore. Now we have to get to it. We'll, we'll figure stuff out later, kid. <laughs> All right. Uh, so. The scene that I predicted would have made you the most angry so far in this film. So far, he has passed first two of the three trials. The first one is the penitent man shall pass, which meant that he needed to kneel. The second trial. And was, roll. And roll. And the second one uh, was spelling of the name Jehovah, which in the original Latin was spelled with an I. Annoyed me that because it should have been, not Jehovah, but Yahweh. Yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't have assumed it would be Yahweh. I mean, they ended up being right, but that seems arbitrary because it should have been Yahweh. Yeah, that wasn't the why. So now we're uh, doing the third trial, which is having blind faith or a leap of faith. All right, so we got Andy Joe walking through a little crevice here and sees... An expanse of what seems to be uh, bottomless nothingness. And is. Mm -hmm. And he just knows that he has to cross it to... Because from this perspective, where the camera's looking down into the ravine, Mm -hmm. this section is all black. Mm -hmm. And then when we look later from that perspective, it should have been... Because from his perspective, which is... This is really hard to talk about without actually showing people my hand gestures and things. So from his perspective, he's not looking down. He, he, his perspective is further down and he's looking out. Mm-hmm. So for the bridge to blend in with the wall uh, facing from his perspective, it needs to be rock colored and textured, not mm-hmm. black. So from the camera's perspective right now, we should be seeing that it's actually there's a bridge there. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be seeing blackness. Mm-hmm. So, but that's less dynamic. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense though. <laughs> so the the reason I had this is because this is the only test that seems actual magical at first, and so that's why I thought it would be the the part that would have made you the most angry. I was I was 
I don't know if annoyed is the right word, but I was kind of a little up in arms like, oh, the, this is actually going to be like God stuff. Like you have to believe in God to magic. to yeah. do this. And well, I mean, because magic has happened in the other movies and I've just accepted that's part of this world. Magic You've exists. you accepted <laughs> any magic. <laughs> no, it ended up being a physical explanation, which I'm obviously fine with, but this, it doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. And then from this perspective, we should also see the incongruity with the bridge being there not and it shouldn't be blending in with that side of the or wall. Or it doesn't have to. <laughs> it well it shouldn't because that wall is not identical to this wall. Yeah. And from not from this perspective, certainly. And also he should have known that there was a bridge there because unlike the camera, which is still, he's moving and bobbing his head around and he would see the perspective change mm-hmm. on the bridge in front of him. So he'd see the sides of the bridge, it's quite narrow. Mm-hmm. None of this makes any sense. Yeah, no, I just I knew that this was the trial that you'd have the biggest problem with. <laughs> now I imagined after that, this is where you got really upset because now it's all faith and magic. I the faith part. Yeah, I mean, I I don't like that it confirms religion's reality, mm-hmm. particularly the Christian like one, a which it's seven hundred year old man. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine. I'm fine with magic. That's happened in the past movies. I'm fine with that, and I'm. I don't know. This is two movies now that they've confirmed the reality of Christian stuff, mm-hmm. which I find is a little meh. They did the Indian one or the the Hindi one for the second movie. Terrible movie, but I liked that they were going into other religions, confirming the reality of other spiritualities and stuff like that. I thought they should have done a different religion. Mm-hmm. He uh, Donovan has selected a cup and he's bringing it to a stone basin of water to test it as the Holy Grail. Now, my thing is, this is um, 700 years this water is sat in a cave in a porous stone basin that has got to be breeding grounds for all sorts of unnamed bacteria. And it's even, holy. <laughs> and even more likely here, uh, that water would have been absorbed by the stone um, at some point. Like, it it had to have been refilled or something, but it, it was just... The stone me- would never defy the will of God. Good point. By absorbing holy water. I'm wrong. Because God commanded it so. And of course, you know, this is the the very famous face-melting scene from this one. He is walking to the basin with the very bejeweled golden cup. So, is that the most gaudy cup there? Because there are a bunch of other gaudy cups. Yeah, I mean, this is the only one that I saw with emeralds. I don't know why this cup was the one that she selected. Yeah, I mean, I would have done a little bit more deliberating over it. (laughs) Yeah. Because he didn't really choose anything. She chose it. She's like, let me choose for you. If he's the one that's going to be drinking, then I I would have put more effort into uh, vetting the one that she chose or looking at all of them myself. Especially since it's, you know, right or death. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It just seems like he was was a little bit frivolous with uh, his own life here. Mm. Tastes like age. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say that it tastes like eggs? I said it tastes like... Uh. <laughs> Alright, so here it's... Every time the camera cuts, he's slightly older. Mm-hmm. So no Brains. And there, I don't know if that was a composite or if they just had... Here, all right, so here's definitely where the composite is. 
Ugh. I like the Templar's reaction, though. He chose poorly. He chose poorly. Like, I almost expected him to laugh, like, <laughs> Dummy. Everyone goes for that cup. Right, okay, well, so she knew that would kill him. Yeah, she was. She didn't think he was going to win. So why is she working with him? Just work with Indy Joe. She is now. She could have done that from the beginning. Maybe she was. She's a triple crosser. Good Lord. So my next and final timestamp is 154.40. My, my question that I pose to you, the listener, and you, the Zach. I'm no doctor, but did they just seal the bullet within Dr. Jones Sr.? Like, if it wasn't a clean shot that went straight through this cure that they just, you know, poured and gave him, it just would have sealed the bullet inside himself. So eventually he's going to have to go to the doctor to possibly get that removed. Uh, here you go again, questioning the will of God. So, yes, you're correct that the bullet didn't go all the way through. Otherwise, they just did, neglected to seal that side. Mm -hmm. So they only sealed one side, indicating that it didn't go all the way through. However, it's holy water, so it trickled into the wound and dissolved the bullet, obviously. Is that obvious? Of course it is, because they also had, it also had to heal the, the, the wounds to the internal organs, so while it was in there, dissolved the bullet. Now, are you just giving an Allison explanation to this? No, it's perfectly logical. It's only logical. So we're feeding the water to Dr. Jones Sr., and his wounds are magically healed by the grail. We're first giving him a sippy sip. I like that it looked like holy peroxide mm. when and it's healing his wound. Yeah, I thought it was a cool effect how they did it. So he mm -hmm. is drinking it, didn't have an instantaneous effect. Um, he seemed to be drinking the water, and now we're pouring it upon the wound, and it's Bubbles up. bubbling. Hurts a little bit. Doesn't As feel great, but... Religion often does. His hair is intact, and the wound is gone. Yep, it was a good effect. And then he poured a little on his trousers to make it look like he peed himself. And he's like, ha ha, dad. <laughs> yeah, but it made his penis size grow three times that day. So joke was really on Andy Jr. So, yeah, that, that was my final timestamp. Uh, we right. have cured Dr. Jones Sr. The true magic of the film was the paternal relationship between a father and his son. The real holy grail was the friends we made along the way. Exactly. Well, there you have it. Indy Joe. So, before you can even ask, yes, it was as good as I remember. I don't know why I love this one so much, but it is my absolute favorite of the trilogy. It had humor, um, but it also had heart. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Prove it. Well, like, it, we, we both had a sentimental attachment to part of the father-son speech times. We... Also, we're laughing at some of the sillier parts of it. It just had a lot more depth, and we cared a little bit more than Temple of Doom, where we only cared about how sore our bottoms were and how much we wanted it to be over. Indeed so. so. We actually finished our timestamps on this one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I completely abandoned, I think, my last two timestamps on Temple of Doom. He just kind of threw a table and like, done! <laughs> I, yeah, just did not care anymore. I've already watched through this movie twice, I'm not going to finish a third. Well. And I never will. But you just did the watch the third. No, no. A third watch through of the second movie. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. So, uh, 
did your perspective on anything change? Not really. I mean, I, <laughs> I didn't even finish saying that sentence. <laughs> I knew what you meant because I was reading the word. Like, like I translated. But for the listeners, I, what I meant to say was: Has your perspective on anything changed? Has your perspective on anything changed throughout the years? <laughs> no, I just kind of stopped caring about the sentence halfway through. <laughs> so I'll say not really. Um, the movies, the the females in these movies, grade on me more than they usually do and i don't know if that's because i expect more of my female leads i mean honestly i didn't both of the other uh, indiana jones movies i've really disliked the portrayal of the female characters especially in temple of doom Mm -hmm. less so in uh the raiders of the lost ark Mm -hmm. but this one i felt like the female lead wasn't incompetent she was just bad Yeah, she was evil, and yeah. that's interesting. Like you can, uh, I've, evil people can be interesting and and good fodder for art, uh, literature, movies, whatever. No, I I thought the only anti-feminist or you know what, however you want to phrase that events in the movie were how Indiana Jones treated her. Yeah, I will say that that is something that did change over my viewpoint of the movie over the course of my life is just kind of how misogynistic and forceful he was with women yeah. and his conquests. Didn't love that. And I would say that, you know, just jumping ahead a question, but if something had to be changed for the modern audience, that would be the thing that would have to change his his approach towards women. Everything else for this one, I, I thought that they took an appropriate, clear anti-Nazi stance, and so that was good. Absolutely. So, did it contribute something to cinema? So I'm going to say yes, because of the introduction of the first complete digital composite shot. However, I cannot define the significance of that (laughs) within the film. Yeah. So everyone says it's the first. Everyone's saying it was super cool and original. So I don't know. I I think we need to know more about it. But I mean. Well, it's just like in The Great Mouse Detective. You know, that was like the first blending of CGI with animation style film. So in that way, it's groundbreaking. What year was that movie? 1986, so two yeah. years before this. So that seems more original than this. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about the tech, but they're saying it's something different, and this was first. I don't know, man. It sounds questionable to me, but I'm open to being wrong. It's all owned by Disney. It's uh, very true. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, if you are if you and everybody else is right about uh, this digital composite truly being done first on this movie, then... Yep, it did something original for cinema. Other than that, yeah, I said, it seemed very similar to all the other movies, effects-wise and uh, cinematography-wise. So, I don't know. It was great, but not groundbreaking. Yeah, and I would say that the... Uh, I, I had put that, like, aside from that digital composite thing, now it's just another fun film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to and well, I did while we're in uh, the Act Four, mm-hmm. uh, rose tinted feels. Mm-hmm. I felt like this was the appropriate section to reinforce my opinion that Episode Four was definitely better than Episode Two. But what about Episode Three? Let's find out. <laughs> Enter Act Five, the Rose Award Ceremony. Thank you, thank you. Stop. <laughs> He's so forceful with the audience. So, who would you give your Rose Award to? You know what? I'm saying it's going back to to Indy. Uh, I think he regained his stride back. Yep. He only had a couple instances of being rapey, and that's good for him. (laughs) 
<laughs> so uh, for that reason, I also give it to Indy Joe. Nice. But who did you give your thorn to? I had trouble with this one, but I gave it to Lady. Okay. I gave it to Lady because she, if she had just worked with Indy, it would have been fine. She could have had her own motivation for getting it, and it's greedy and fame-related and whatever, but she's a complex person, and that's fine. That's her thing. I wouldn't have given her the thorn. But she worked with the Nazis and that other bad guy. For what reason, I just don't know. And it was, it was, it was making the movie take longer. <laughs> they would have gotten to the end faster if she had just worked with Indy, and she still would have gotten everything she wanted, and she wouldn't have worked with the Nazis. Yeah, but and I also, you know, to that end... She was the one specifically seemingly working against the Joneses, more so than just the Nazis themselves. Like, she integrated herself in the father-son dyad and just kind of... Oh, she integrated hard. Yep. Took notes. (laughs) (laughs) She took field notes, you think? Yep. Yep. So, my my thorn went to Thurman Merman's grandpa, a.k.a. the Bugle Boy. Bugle Boy? From the very beginning. Like, he just bothered me. (laughs) Like, he just... He sort of contributed um, the first bumbling sidekick trope to Indiana Jones. Like, he just, something about him. Like, I just wanted to. A whole thorn award? I think you should give your hate award to him. I don't know about the thorn. Okay, but my hate was going to someone very special. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But no, no, he just, he didn't contribute anything except kind of being that bumbling guy. So, yeah, maybe. He was only in it for like 30 seconds. I hated him. Good Lord, man. That's an intense hate. That should be the hate award. Yeah. So, I, I don't, okay. So thorn. Um, if I had to change my thorn, uh, yeah, I would say Elsa probably is a good or Donovan um, would be good thorns because they they are the antagonistic player to this story. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So, do you have a love award? Yeah, I would say that Sala and Brody just. They bring so much heart to these films. Like, I just, I really love them. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I gave mine to Sean Connors, mm-hmm. and I, I just thought he was so charming, and all of his scenes were the best scenes in the movie. I thought he was fantastic. I loved him, loved his character, but I would also add Sala on the list, because he's, <laughs> he's just so lovable. Even with other... <laughs> <laughs> so who did you hate? I gave my hate award to Indy Joe. Interesting. He's your rose and your hate. Yeah, he was too rapey. Yeah. He's got to stop that. My hate award went to the Nazis. And yet not to Hitler. He's part of the Nazis. He's part of that segment. I think he he could deserve a special shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't give it to him either. Yeah. You gave it to the hero of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was getting in the Nazis' way. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I just, just I just... Nazis overall, but I, Hitler is one of the Nazis, so he also... One of? I think he's a very special Nazi. He's the kingpin Nazi. He's the kingpin Nazi. He's the head Nazi. Yeah. I'd, and given the choice, I think we all would just, you know, prefer there to be no more Nazis. Yeah. Ratings, ratings, ratings. All right, so... I finally get to know how you feel. All right, so for your action genre, mm-hmm. what have you rated it? Seven out of ten. I thought it was a very good action film. It was entertaining. It had a lot more heart than I think the other two did. I'll agree with that. I think, well, for this is genre for uh, for action. So I guess is heart relevant to action? I guess it could be. 
it, it makes you care about the outcomes of the explosions and yeah. the fisticuffs. And I, I think that the scenes that had the action, like I've never seen motorcycle jousting before. That was very sporting. Yeah. I, well, definitely the motorcycle jousting increases my action rating by yeah. a, a factor of five or six. We've had several boat chases, blimp escapes, plane chases, car chases, like horse racing. Like there was a lot of athletics here. Yeah, you're you're you're, uh, you're making persuasive arguments. I've given it an action rating of a six. Okay. I, I think the fact that they had so many new types of chases, boat chases and blimp chases were definitely mm-hmm. new. We have had horse chases and car chases before, but uh, I think all of them did a pretty w- a good job and certainly very original with the motorcycle jousting. Mm-hmm. So, yep, I give it a six. Very solid. The heart, I thought it was a good argument, actually, looking for heart in an action movie because it makes you care more about the outcome. So I think I'm going to bump it up to a seven. Nice. Welcome to Club Seven. Heck yeah. All right, so directing. What would you give it for directing? I would say an eight out of ten. I think Spielberg's got some of his stride back. Well, absolutely. No competition. I mean, if you're you're comparing it to the last Andy Joe movie, anything would have been better. Yeah. Well, but that doesn't necessarily rate a high score, but I think that this was shot and the story moved very well. So I I think that this was just hitting those markers for me. Absolutely. I totally agree. I gave it a 7.5. Okay. Still good. Still strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still strong. I don't know if it was lower than for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Possibly was. But I thought that the main strength of this movie was in the characters mm-hmm. and so the directing was good but it nothing like knocked me over with wow that was so cool looking or this is so beautiful or you know just the n- nothing about the directing really knocked me over so i it really strong but there, there was nothing completely stand out about the way it was what about the music five okay i i kind of anticipated you giving it kind of a midline score because it wasn't giving us anything new in this world. But I just, I still think that even though it wasn't giving us something new, it was still good. So I still gave it an eight. Yeah. Five, I guess is good, but it's also Johnny Williams. I think a majority of the movies we've watched have had a John Williams score. Probably. (laughs) He's all over the place, but I mean, obviously it was really good, but it was, the same thing that we've heard in the other movies and the, the stuff that wasn't the main theme, none of it jumped out at me. What about the writing? The writing? Five. Okay. So I actually gave it an eight because I liked the intricate blend of story. I liked the storytelling. I liked the mystery surrounding the Holy Grail and what they did to separate it to make it its kind of unique lore, the whole fountain of youth aspect to it. I thought that was just, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, it, it certainly was. I mean, I thought that the writing, I guess the reason why I gave it such a low score was the story was good. The other writing, the dialogue and stuff, it wasn't genius. It wasn't great. The, what but, made it very good was with the actors. So are you putting that as five rating of writing within the action genre or of all genres, because I'm saying it based on writing. So the, the, you know, dialogue between father and son and that kind of stuff. Like I just, I thought that they, they strategically added touching writing to the story to make us care about him as a human again, because I think the second movie was so dehumanizing. 
Oh yeah, it certainly was. And I, and I think you're allowing the comparison to the last movie to make this one seem better than it is. Yeah. Which is possible. But yeah, I'm, I'm comparing the writing for this movie to all movies, not just action movies. Gotcha. So it was fine. But I, like I said, the, the father son thing even was great because of the actors. Mm-hmm. The, the script was, was all right. I mean, it's kind of standard stuff, but it was made great and brilliant by the performances. And so with that, what is your acting rating? Uh, acting rating, I give a 6.5. Okay, I, I gave it an 8, but that is out of the action genre. I didn't do it as kind of a global. So if I was to do a global rating, I would lower that score to probably 6. Well, I mean, however you're doing your ratings. If you Are you doing most movie ratings based on the genre or... Yeah, are you doing more like I'm doing? I, I was doing it kind of focused in the genre world for this one for some reason, but uh, from a global perspective, you're right. I'm re-honing back into a global perspective. I would lower it to a six. Uh, so would you would you change your other scores if you were to do from a global perspective, or if you want to? So yeah, I would put the writing down probably at a five or a six, and music down to probably a five or six. Directing still I think very good job. Yeah. All right. So that was acting. So your real rating, what would you give the real rating? Again, I'm lowering it now because of the global perspective of it versus the genre perspective. And I would say a six, six out of 10. Okay. All right. Uh, I actually gave it a (gasps) 6.5. I was right. Yes, you were. What? What was your uh, nostalgia rating for it? My nostalgia preteen was a 7.5. So you came down a bit on it, did you? Just a little bit because I was thinking a little, I think, more critically towards the end of it. So my heart rating, though, is still a 9 out of 10. All right. You still have that passion for it. I I still love this one. My heart rating for it. Drum roll, please. An 8 out of 10. Nice. I'm pleased. Yep. I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very enjoyable, largely down to the performances. Everyone was likable, except for when Indy Joe was trying to rape people. But yeah, other than that, that was lovely. Good. Good. I'm glad that it was a nice palate cleanser. Yeah, definitely. Although I did watch that and then continue to watch episode four, Crystal Skull. Why? I was just curious. Curiosity. Oh, yeah. Did you want me to rate Crystal Skull? Yeah. All right. So let's see. I wanted you to rate all four films. All right, so fourth one, this is Crystal Skull I'm rating now for action, three. For directing, three and a half. You suffered through that half. (laughs) (laughs) Music, uh, four. Because the same complaint about this one, except I noticed even less. For writing, I don't know, five. Same as this movie, really. It was Mm -hmm. good. There was a father-son dynamic, Lady uh, First Lady Returns. They had well, had yeah, a- he trapped the last one down a hole. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Writing was all right. Acting. 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 Four and a half. Which is also sad. Cause I, I do love Kate Blanchett. I, I thought she didn't do so well. It was she was. Well, I, I didn't mean in this movie, like in general. Oh, in general, I, yeah, yeah, I like her too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, she was Galadriel. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here with this mess. Uh, real rating, I'd give it a four. Okay. Uh, you know, maybe four and a half. I don't know. Certainly much better than episode two. It's watchable. I would watch it again if someone had it on TV. So, uh, 
is your order 3142? If you were to rank overall the four films least favorite to or favorite to least favorite. Oh, so fi- yeah. So least favorite to favorite, I would say. So least favorite to favorite, my prediction is two, four, one, three. So three is the best one is, or two is the worst. Uh, two, four, three, one. Okay. Uh, I like one the most. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe it's just because I saw it first, but mm-hmm. it seems more iconic to me. It's, it's it, I don't know. It just seems to embody what what the character is, what that that type of story should be. Yeah, I don't know. I so I loved three, but I think I would still. Did I say my heart was eight? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What did I say? What my heart was for Uno? That's the real question. Maybe I'm making a liar out of myself. I don't, We've I got math was, on our side. No, I thought it was an eight or a nine, but I'm pulling it up now for you. I gave it a seven. Huh. So math just made a liar out of me. <laughs> Math will do that to you. You know what? I'm going to lower my heart to a seven. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's because you don't want the math to be a liar. Well, yeah. So I'm I'm bringing it in line with my perspectives. And I I think that in my heart, I think they're both about on the same level. But just because the first one is more iconic, I think that's why I would rank rank that one as my favorite. Okie dokie. That checks. So there you have things. So let's uh, let's line things up for next time on RTR. What have we decided our movie is going to be? So we have two Christmas films coming up. Um, There's very few Christmas films that Zach has not seen. So we are going to start with one that has been a very iconic film in my household, which is White Christmas. Named for the type of actors and for the weather outside. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think there's only one character that that does not apply to, and they're an unnamed bartender. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, uh, also, so we've got White Christmas... And We've got Gremlins. Gremlins. Mm-hmm. And the, you also wanted Rattle-Atta-Louie before uh, things stopped being cold. Yes. Mostly also so I can prepare the dish, Ratatouille, for you to sample. All right. And you also had a th- fourth one, right? So we had dallied with the idea. Uh, oh, uh, the romantic comedy. So I want to start you on what is perceived as the first romantic comedy talkie which is it happened one night so uh, i think the order that we're gonna do is white christmas gremlins and then ratatouille and then it happened one night because then we'll be getting into january february the love season all right so white christmas gremlins rattle out louie and then uh it comes at night it happened one night sure Mm -hmm. wasn't there another one we had uh, toyed around with the idea of Miracle on 34th Street, um, but yeah, I determined that you would hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine, but you also aren't so keen on it either. Yeah, it's not my favorite. It's just, it, it's fine. Yeah. Whatever. Don't you think that Chris Kringle is lovable in that movie? Does, isn't that what people think? Oh, sure. He's the one, you know, where the little girl tugs at his beard, expecting it to be a false beard, and it isn't. And he's, he's like, like ho, 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 ho. Yeah, so cute, but... Yeah. <laughs> It's, it never was the staple Christmas movie in my house, and so I'm more comfortable talking about White Christmas and Gremlins. All right, so our very next one is going to be White Christmas? Yep, let's cue it up. All right, I've got to reopen this laptop. I forgot this section of the show existed. <laughs>
Notice how the sun shines so bright, never saw things going so right. Notice in today's hurry and by when you're in love, my, my, how they fly. Lord, help the mister who comes between me and my sister. And Lord, help the sister who comes between me and my man. The two greatest figures in show business, Bing and Danny, as two ex-GIs who form the perfect partnership. Rosemary and Vera Ellen as the sisters who have them in a spin. With Dean Jagger as the unemployed general they take under their wing. Apparently there's still quite a bit about show business I don't understand. Oh, it'll come to you, sir. Just takes time. We wouldn't be any good as generals. You weren't any good as private. A wonderful story that will warm your hearts just as the breathtaking scope of a new screen wonder will widen your eyes. White Christmas in Vista Vision. And you'll fall asleep Counting your blessings Oh, Betsy Happen while you're dancing Things that you would not do at home Come naturally on the floor Handy There's a minister handy And the show would be dandy If we let him make a fee So don't you Directed by Michael Caine. <laughs> I'm very excited. It, you know, that this was a movie that my sister and I watched every year when we were putting up our holiday tree. Well, I look forward to it. Do you expect that I'll like it? I hope you do. I think that there's enough comedy and levity there, uh, even if it, there, it's not so much about the nativity and Jeezy and all that, but it's more about the holiday and feel. I got you. All right. So what do you expect my real rating will be? What do you predict? Hmm. I would say a six out of ten. Six out of ten? Mm-hmm. Which is a respectable score. I'll hold you to it. Okay. All right. So I guess that's it. Now, everybody, please remember to go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a gosh darn five-star review. I've said it once. If I've said it a thousand times, just get over there and leave us the five-star review. What does it really take from you? Huh? Huh? Is it so hard? Is your day so full that you can't help us out a little bit by just going there, leaving us a five-star review? Says whatever you want, and we'll read it here on the show. And you can specify who you want to read it if you think that will make a difference in your day. Sure, yeah. Put it at the bottom. Read Allison. Or Allison Reed, please. Thanks. Bye. Okay, thanks. Or, or, or Zachary, please read this. I'm desperate to hear you say my words. Or Zach, read this in a Scooby-Doo voice. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. All right. So, and also please come over to the Facebook group. Join the conversation at RTR Community Face Place. It's where fun happens. Yeah. You want to be fun, don't you? Yeah. Don't be a lame loser. Come over to the RTR Community Face Place. All right. Thanks, folks. That's been this episode of Rose Tinted Reels. Wacky, wacky. Coming at you. I don't know. Stop. All right. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I've been your co-host, Zach. I've been Allison. See you next time. Oops. 
Nope. <laughs> nope. Going the wrong way. It's not helping you look for anything. No, it's because I found it. Uh. All right. <clears throat> I'm customer service, Allison. <laughs>